You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hey, really quick, are you guys okay if I call an audible right now? So I am so far behind where I was supposed to be, and I had all these stories, and they went longer, and I got excited, and you guys are so much fun. Um, so what the plan is, is I'm going to go from 4 till 6 right now. We're going to take a dinner break from 6 till 8, and then um, you don't have to come back if you want, but from 8 till 9, I'm going to do a really cool special session I'm excited for. I'm actually going to have our, uh, our resident-friendly giant. Is he in the room? Where's Nick at? He's not in the room right now. Never mind. We're canceling the session. Just kidding. Um, we're going to have Nick actually come on stage after dinner. And I'm going to do um, this. I have this idea. It may be horrible. It may be amazing. I have no idea. You got to show up to find out. Um, kind of like the spot coaching with him um, on all I'm talking about in the next two hours. And uh, there he is. Finally, he showed Just kidding. Um, it's going to be fun. We're actually going to tell his story and behind the scenes of his story. And then um, I've been watching really closely. And I'll tell you why I've, I've had such a vested interest in his journey over the last uh, year or so. Um, but I'm going to basically, um, after we talk about the story, I'm going to coach, I'm going to take him where he's at right now and coach him on the stuff that I'm seeing, the positives and negatives. And I want you guys here for that. Cause a lot of us can relate back to what you guys are doing as well. So he in proxy for you will be getting coached by me. And I think you'll get some really cool things from it. So we'll be doing that from eight till nine o'clock tonight. It's kind of the game plan. And, uh, that's the plan. So right now they're trying to make sure the hotel is not going to kick us out and people can hang out. So that's the game plan. If you guys can come back, it's not, you don't feel obligated unless you want to like have your mind blown. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> There's nothing else to do here in this town anyway, so might as well hang out here. I'm just kidding. I love it here. All right. So the dinner break, the goal is to go from six till eight as long as I get done in the next two hours, which this session's got a lot of stuff, so I have no idea that's actually possible. Um, anyway. My baby's crying. I love that. I love that sound. All right. All right, so we're moving into session number three. I'm supposed to be on session five right now, I think. So that's how far behind we are. Um, session number three, I'm going to start talking about distribution. We talked about it a little bit with understanding your lists and things like that. But I want to start going uh, even deeper into this, uh, into this concept because um, everything we're doing is going to start building on everything we covered earlier today, right? So every, every step gets a little step deeper and deeper into the pool. And tomorrow, by the end of the day, we're going to get like super deep. Who wants to get in the deep end of the pool? So like Dream 100 is like Internet Marketing 101. We're going to get to like the second phase of Dream 100, which we internally call the syndicate, which is like three or 401. And we're talking about tomorrow night. It's going to be so much fun. I've never talked about stuff before because there's never been an audience I could like share it with. I'd be talking about it and everyone's like, what are you talking about? But now um, we can all hang out on the same level. So tomorrow night is going to keep getting deeper and everything's stacking and layering upon itself. So hope you guys understand that. All right. So the first thing I want you to understand is distribution. I'm going to um, show a really quick video clip. I want to share with you guys first, so we'll kind of set up what I want to talk about. Um, I showed this to you guys at Funnel Hacking Live as well, but, um, and some of you guys know I'm not the biggest Gary Vee fan anymore because um, he's kind of a jerk. I don't know. Did I say that? I did. I'm sorry. No, he's, he's, a, he's a smart guy. Um, Operation Barry Gary is in full effect. There will be a time in the near future for every Gary Vee video you see, you'll see 1,200 of Russell's. It's going to be amazing. Um, now, just <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> All right, we should start the session over. Anyway, no, uh, I actually, I do respect Gary. Um, of the things he said, this is probably one of the best, and it's powerful, and it'll set up everything we're talking about right now. So I'm sure you guys this clip really quick, and then we'll come and dive back into it. So here we go. I think this is the television in 1965. 
If you, I'd actually like, I know a lot of you are like, whatever, just really pay attention to this because this might be one of the better things I say. This, this is the television in 1965 and the TVs, they're the radio, right? So people, and if you go and stuck, so what I do well for somebody who's a student, the one thing I do study is history because history loves to repeat its self, right? And so if you go look at the brands, the beer brands that were romantic, about staying on the radio because that's how they did it and didn't shift the television while things like Miller Lite that nobody's ever heard of went TV only and became the brands. If you look at TV 1965, that's what I think this is. And I think YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook are ABC, NBC, and CBS. So do I think, and then I think I, within it, is MASH and Happy Days. (laughs) Got it? So that's the system. So do I think over time ESPN comes around and HBO comes? I do. There will be more channels built on this platform and there'll be more competition. That's what's happening. And so what you need to do is for your business, figure out the channels where you could be the star of that network. All right, let's give Gary Vee a huge round of applause. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of diagram this out for you guys. So, um, because if we can understand the distribution channels, this game becomes really fun, right? So if you look at this, what Gary said is that the TV, there's your TV, three channels, is the cell phone of today, right? Um, and then if you look at this one level deeper, here's the TV again. Over here on the channels, these are ABC, CBS, and NBC. There's your things. This is the equivalent to the apps over here, right? Now, before I show the next level, I want, to, I want to tell you guys a really fascinating story. So I met Tony Robbins initially um, over 10 years ago, and I met him, it was probably 2009. Anyway, it was a time when like everything was shifting and changing, right? And uh, his business started struggling because he had focused solely on like TV at the time. And my very, I remember my very first meeting with him, we were sitting there, and he said, it was interesting, he said, if you look at um, my business, when I came out and I became Tony Robbins, he's like, there were three channels on TV. It was ABC, CBS, and NBC. And he's like, if you, sit, if you flip on any channel at night, my infomercial was on all of them. It wasn't hard. There were three channels. That's all, I had to, that's all I had to do. That's all I had to cover, right? How many of you guys remember watching Tony Robbins infomercials back then? Right? He was everywhere. And he was like, that's why he's still to this day one of the most recognizable faces of all time because he was everywhere. Like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing Tony's face, right? And so that was uh, what was happening. Now what happened is for him, it went from three channels to all of a sudden like this pesky thing Fox came out and then other ones came out and then all of a sudden cable came out and media got splintered across like 10,000 cable channels, right? And so Tony told me, he's like, I was trying to go out and buy ads on this channel and this channel. Like for whatever reason, this one didn't convert. And this one, like before they all kind of worked because they're like everyone was grouped together and just, the numbers made sense. But now it didn't work on this channel and this channel and this channel and this one got too expensive and all these things. And like all of a sudden everything started shifting. And so when I came and met Tony, like, that's the phase he was in. He was like, we're struggling. Like, everything's happening. No longer are we able to be profitable. And that's when he started learning about us internet nerds and the internet stuff. And if you look at the last 10 years, Tony went from, from that phase to now um, they're, they're just crushing it and killing it, right? But it was because of this that he had to make the shift because that was all that was happening. And so what Gary said is fascinating. If you look at that right now, is that um, for all of us, right? It's understanding like that's the TV. This is our phone. This is the chance. These, these apps are channels and you go down here inside the app, you click on it. And then there's your, there's your show. Here's your platform to be on the stage. 
There's someone on stage, okay? So that's kind of, this is, this is the, the thing that's happened. And like he said, and in fact, you're seeing it now, but for most of you guys on your phones, right? In fact, I have, you know, on iPhones, you can like group things together. I literally have um, a, a tab that's called Conversation Domination. And in there are all of the apps that I'm trying to dominate. So my Facebook app, my uh, Instagram, my Twitter, my uh, LinkedIn, like all the different apps that I actually have my dream audience on there, I have them all in one group. So when I wake up in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I need to go follow my dream 100 see whether they're in every channel. I click on the conversation nomination, thing, it pops open. I have my nine little apps there, and those are my channels, right? And I go and I click on each one. I scroll through, see the dream 100 doing, going through it, and that's what I'm looking at every single day, right? Is what's happening, um, um, all the channels, and I go see what the shows are happening in each of the channels, right? My dream 100 shows in each channel that's happening, okay? Um, so that's the first thing to kind of understand here. Let's see. All right, now... What I want to pitch you guys all on right now, and some of you guys are going to fight me on this because you're like, oh, Russell, I want to drive traffic. I don't want to like have my own show. I want to pitch you on the, one of the most important things you guys could all do in your business right now is to actually focus on starting your own show. And some of you are thinking, well, Russell, if I start my own Facebook show or my own Instagram show or my own uh, podcast, whatever, I don't own that traffic, right? I'm on somebody else's network. And the answer is yes, that's true. Okay. But regardless, it's still a really, really smart thing to do. So, um... There's my little doodle. He pulled the slides back up real quick. This is the doodled out version where I just doodle for you guys. Isn't that, I doodle stuff and I scribble it out and then my team makes it look amazing. Like, oh yeah, that is what I wrote. That looks so good. Um, someone asked me like how I got so good at doodling images for my books. I'm like, do you honestly think I know how to do that? I found the who, who knew the how, and then they did it for me, right? All right, so next phase. So your first distribution channel is gonna be your own show, okay? Um, and at, at Funnel Hacking Live, I talked about this a little bit, and we did, I did a presentation called Conversation Domination, right? And what's interesting is that that presentation of all the ones I gave was probably the least well-received. I think part of it because I was like, you guys should be on every channel, all being all present. So anywhere you go, people looking at you, and everyone's kind of stressed out like, oh, Russell, I don't want to be you. I don't want to be on every single channel, right? And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I think that I was actually wrong in that. I think there's a time when you should get to that. And actually tomorrow night, if we get to the advanced stuff, I'll go into that. There's a time and a face where you should be omnipresent on every single channel. But initially, you shouldn't be. If you try to launch your own podcast, your own Facebook show, your own YouTube channel, and all these things at once, I promise you, you'll fail. Even with me and my entire team of people, we're still um, not actively destroying every single channel. We're successful in two or three of them, and we're adding more on. But it's not something that you should just dive into overnight. Um, it should come down like focus on the channel you like the most. So the question is for you guys, like what channel should I focus on the most? And I would argue the one you should do the most is the one that you're most comfortable with, the one that you spend the most time in, right? Um, I remember for me, when I first got Instagram, I remember logging in. I was so confused by Instagram. How many of you guys were confused the first time? I was used to Facebook and it was similar, but it was different. And like the picture, the headline was under the picture instead of above it. And I was like, why? Like that's, I was so confused on how it connected. I couldn't figure it out. And I, I, I didn't like it for a long time. Um, but I, I kept using Instagram, kept using it. And eventually I became more and more comfortable with it. Now, like by far, it's my favorite channel to publish on, by far. That's why Instagram, everything's like, I'm just so used to it. I love it. And I feel comfortable with it. And for me, that's like, that's my favorite one, right? For some of you guys, it's going to be different. Some of you guys may hate Instagram. Like you never, like how many of you guys, like, don't have the app, and if you do have it, you've never actually logged into it before ever, okay? Don't launch an Instagram show, if that's you. How many of you guys is Facebook? Like, I love Facebook. I'm scrolling. I'm doing stuff. Like, I can do Facebook Lives. Like, that's the platform you play in, and you'd enjoy it the most, okay? How many of you guys more is, like, podcasting? Like, I love listening to podcasts, and you just know, like, man, if I'm ever doing anything, it's going to be podcasts, right? Why do you think you do that? Like, do a platform that you, that you love, but there's a huge argument for having your own show, um, 
And I will continue over this presentation to give you more and more reasons to believe it and things like that. But one of the biggest things um, comes back to the Arsenio Hall thing we talked about, right? If I want to work with my Dream 100 and I want to do a deal with any of the Dream 100, um, and I come to them, I'm like, hey, um, Dream 100 person who's amazing, I watch you, I follow you, is there any way you can promote my thing? It's, it's hard. They're going to say, no, it doesn't, it doesn't open up any doors. But if you come to your Dream 100 and you're like, how do I serve this person? What most people in your Dream 100 are looking for is a platform, right? Our, people didn't call Arsenio Hall back because he didn't have a platform, Right? Um, people take my calls now because I have a platform. I could call Tony and be like, hey, you're launching your new book, man. Do you want to be on the show? He'd be like, yes, because I know Russell's got a platform. Okay, regardless if we had a relationship or not, the platform is what makes people return your calls. Okay, so if you don't have your own show, it gets really, really difficult to do those kind of things. You don't have to do it. You can go and just buy ads all the time, but if you want to earn your way and if you want to open up relationships, you want to do those other things, having your own show is the most important thing you can do. Okay. When we launched ClickFunnels, one of the rules we made is that as ClickFunnels, we weren't going to promote any outside companies or other products and things like that, right? And so we couldn't do it. So when Dave initially was going in, his job was to go find Dream 100s and get them to promote our stuff. Everyone's like, well, I can't, like, can you do something for me? And he's like, ah, I can't do anything for you. Like, we can't promote your stuff. Russell's podcast is just him. Like, we, could, we didn't have anything we could leverage to like, help, right? And so Dave had this great idea. He's like, what if I launch my own podcast called Funnel Hacker TV? And what's cool, or, um, Funnel Hacker Radio. And he's like, I'll interview people. And that way, when I meet someone, like, hey, can I have you on the show? And they're like, oh, cool. And then the person's on the show, Dave has a chance to interview him for 30 minutes or so, build a relationship, build a rapport, get to know that person. And all of a sudden, like, they have a relationship. And now amazing things happen because of it. Okay, well, the best ways to build these relationships with your Dream 100 is to give them a platform. Start your own show because you can give people a platform. Do you guys understand that? Okay? To work your way in, there's nothing more powerful than, than that. Okay? Um, it's crazy. Like you can get, you'd be shocked at the people you can contact and get a hold of who will return your call just by saying you have a show. Now what's crazy about a lot of shows, like if you're on Facebook and you have like three followers, people are like, if I do Facebook live, you only have three followers. Some platforms like podcasts are hidden, right? How many, um, how many people know how many podcast listeners I have in every episode? Only John does because he looks at the stats. How many of you guys know how many people listen to Dave's podcast? Only he knows apparently. Not very many people, right? Okay. So it's powerful. When Funnel Hacker Radio launched, we had no one listening to it. But he still did deals and got people on, right? Because you have a show. And so what's cool about it is you don't have to have like a big, huge thing. All you have to do is like have a show and invite people on. And it'll open up conversations, dialogues, get people on your show. And some people may say no, but it's one of the easiest ways to infiltrate the Dream 100. And you get to know them. And after you get one person on your show, it's so easy to be like, oh, someone's on my show. Do you want to be on my show too? Like, oh, sure. And you start building your way into these networks and start getting to know people because you're providing value to them. You're giving them a platform to share their stories. Okay? So it's powerful. There's so many amazing benefits. Okay? But I do think that everybody should have a show as part of your traffic strategy because it just it opens up um, all the doors. Okay? All right. So what I want to do right now for the next little bit is I want to go a little um, expert secrets on you guys if you're okay with that. Because I know what happens for some of you guys. As I say that, you have to have your own show. You have to start publishing. You're kind of freaking out right now, right? How many guys in your gut are just like, ah, I'm going to go walk out during the session. I don't really want to do that. <laughs> okay. Yes. One person that's honest. Thank you. Okay. Um, so the first time I talked about this was at Funnel Hacking Live number two. And I was on stage. And when I told everybody, I said, look, if you want to be successful in this business, you have to start publishing. And there was this guy in the audience and on the way over to the audience, he's like, I will do anything that Russell Brunson says. I will follow him to the end of the moon. But the one thing I will not do, no matter what he says at any cost is I refuse to publish anything ever. I do not want to do that. It sounds like pain. I don't want to do it. Guess who that human being was? Mr. Steven Larson. 
And then he gets off and he's like, Russell just talked. I was like, I don't want to. I hate Russell. He's so angry, but he's probably right. Dang it. Caitlin said, hashtag do what Russell says like 40 times. And she's rich now. Like I should probably do it, but I don't want to. And he fought me. And finally he's like, fine, I'll do it. And he launches this podcast and he does it for how long? A year, two, I don't even know how long. Two years now doing this podcast. Okay. Last January, he decides to leave ClickFunnels and spread his wings and go off on his own because that's what entrepreneurs do. Right. And was he scared? No, because he had this following. He had an audience. He had people who were listening to him. He had people who were ready to give him money the second he was ready for it. Okay. So I want you guys thinking about that. Like it's time to start publishing because when you do that, it builds this audience, it builds people, it builds a following. Okay. It's going to serve you, um, not just today, but it's going to serve you long-term. Okay. It's going to open up doors. It's going to open up connections. It's going to give you the ability to connect with the people on your dream 100 you need to get to know. Okay. There's no better way to do it than to do, have your own show. Okay. It's amazing. All right. Now, the next part of the process with your own show is it's going to help you guys to become the actual attractive character. I'm pretty sure that the only concept I've talked about in all three books is this. You think it's important? Russell, I don't want to be an attractive character. Okay. Oh, you must hate money. Cool. Well, if you hate money, there's an Infusionsoft event happening on the road. You guys can go over there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm so sorry. I know we got some of it. Anyway, I'm just teasing. I didn't say that. Um, all right. So, uh, this is, this is hugely, hugely important, Ken, um, for, uh, for so many reasons. Um, so I'm going to start doodling this to kind of walk you guys through this process that'll, that'll help you guys, Ken. So the first thing I want you to understand is right now, this is you guys, okay, pre-publishing, right? And over here is where you want to go. This is a little flag right here. Say result. Okay. And so the goal, my, my guess is your journey is one of two things. Either you were on this path and you were trying to figure out how to get a result, right? Or number two, you've already gotten this result and you want to help other people get that result as well, right? Okay. All of us are in some phase of that. Typically um, in our lives, um, most of us will go through a phase and I call it the growth phase, right? You learn, you learn about something and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And you start geeking out, you start learning, you start going through this, this time of growth, right? And typically during this time of growth, you're learning and you're educating, you're, you're becoming a different person, all this stuff happens, and then you achieve that result. And what happens when you achieve the result? You realize that the joy is in this whole journey, right? And you're like, crap, I got the thing I want. I don't feel fulfilled. I had way more fun like going through the journey. Now what do I do with my life, right? Have you guys ever experienced that before? <laughs> right? The joy is in the journey. You achieve the result and you're like, dang, that was it? Crap. Now what am I going to do with my life? And all of a sudden you realize I've grown to a certain level, but if I want to continue to grow my life, it's not about me growing more. It's about me contributing to others and helping them go on this path. So typically for all of you guys in this room, either you're on this path right now, if you try to get the result, right? You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to make money. You're trying to learn the stock market. You're trying to do whatever the thing is, or you've already achieved the result. Now you're coming back down here and saying, I want to take other people on this path as well. Okay. The first time you go is growth. The second time and beyond is contribution. Okay. So we're going on this, this journey. Okay. Now, um, I wish if I could go back in time to 15 years ago, I wish that somebody would have grabbed me and said, Russell, you got to document this journey. Everything's been happening. I didn't, but what's cool is we did the ClickFunnels startup story event last weekend in, in Provo. And, uh, for Andrew Warner, before he interviewed me, I was like, I want to go, like, give, like, I know he does a lot of research, but I was like, I, I think it'd be really fun to, like, give him um, all the data. So I went back to a website. It's called archive.org. It's the Wayback Machine. Anyone ever use this thing? 
You type in a website and it goes back in time and shows you snapshots of the website from the beginning of time till now. And so I went through my domains, every domain I've ever owned. I went, plugged them into the Wayback Machine and I found all of the funnels I built from the beginning of time till now in like chronological order. Like here's the first one, the second one. Um, ended up over 150 funnels I launched you guys before ClickFunnels. That crazy? In fact, next Tuesday I'm doing a presentation. I'm actually going to go through one by one and like in chronological order and tell you what I was thinking, like why. Anyway, it's going to be really fun, right? But um, so I have this cool thing now document the journey, but man, I wish that I would have been documenting the journey this whole time. Can you imagine that? How many of you guys like to see Russell when I was 21 years old, sitting there the very first time in an event, seeing somebody run to the back of the room and have me document my thoughts of like, I went to this internet marketing thing. I thought I was going to learn internet nerdy stuff. And this guy got on stage and he sold and $68,000 of the people ran the back room and bought. And the next guy got up and I'm telling this whole thing, right? And then how many of you guys would love to hear the story? The very first time I got on stage in front of a room like this, I sold it like crazy and nobody bought. And I was so embarrassed, I ran out to my hotel room and I hid for three days because I didn't want any of the attendees or the other speakers to see me. And I literally sat there eating Haagen-Dazs ice cream and coconut shrimp for three days while I watched X-Men movies. How many of you guys want to hear that story and see it, see the pain I was going through? Okay, I didn't document any of that. So I can tell the stories now, but man, how powerful it would have been for my audience to come on that journey with me. Okay, and what's scary for us is like, as we're going through it, there's a lot of pain. You're like, I don't want to tell people about my failures. But man, looking back now, I promise you, you people will follow you. It's interesting, Natalie Hodson told me this, and she may have even mentioned it from Live, but she said, Russell, the reason why people don't care that you're making crap tons of money right now is because they know how much you struggled to get there. Because they saw the downs, they celebrate the successes with you. If they just see the successes, they despise you, they hate you, they're angry because of it, right? Because you guys know that I script so many times, I've gone through so much pain, you're okay with it, right? So it's powerful, yes. Okay? I'm saying that because I want you guys to think about that. Like, be okay sharing those things that are scary, Okay? Do you think Natalie Hodson was super excited to post the pictures of her peeing her pants? No. Do you think she was excited four months later when she became a millionaire? Yes, right? Because she shared those things. So, so that's the first thing. So a couple things. The first thing that, and this is another Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary's given us two things, darn him. All right, the first thing that Gary said is, it's not about creating content. It's about documenting the journey, okay? So you're documenting the journey of you going on this path the first time, or the journey of you taking people on this path. That is the thing that's fascinating. That's what gets people to follow you. That gets people to listen in. Gets people to connect with you is the documentation of the journey. Okay? That's the first reason why we're doing this. Now, how do we document the journey? Okay? It's all going to depend because it's going to be different for every one of you guys. Every one of you guys has a different modality of what you like to do. How many of you guys in here like writing stuff? Like you feel comfortable like you can sit down and write a blog post for like an hour and like feel good about it. How many of my writers in the room? All right. Yeah. So for all of my writers in the room, you are going to be launching a blog. As of today, I would recommend going to medium.com to launch your blog. Go on that platform and use it. It might be different in the future, but for right now, Medium is the best platform to launch your blog. Much better than starting your own WordPress blog somewhere else. Medium already has an audience, already has things. If you write good stuff, it'll get picked up, it'll get followed. You will get insane amounts of traffic. I have a friend right now that every time he posts an article to medium.com, he gets 5,000 opt-ins. Opt-ins. Every time he writes a post. Okay. Like it's worth it. And if you start documenting this journey every single day for an entire year, you document the journey on a blog like that, I promise you by the time you're done, all your financial um, fears will be gone. I told Steve, Stephen mentioned this the other day, I mentioned, how many of you guys are going through the One Funnel Way Challenge right now? Yeah. Um, I said something I didn't remember and Stephen messaged me. He's like, dude, you just said the most amazing thing. I'm like, cool. What did I say? He's like, you said you've promised every single person in the challenge that they documented every single day for an entire year. By the time the year was over, all their financial problems would be gone. I was like, I believe that, 100%. Okay? Um, how many of you guys know ConvertKit? 
ConvertKit's, uh, it's, uh, they're uh, an email autoresponder. They, uh, the founder lives in Boise. His name's Nathan, um, uh, Nathan Barry. He actually is an amazing designer. I tried to hire him as a designer. And anyway, long story, I didn't, wasn't able to do it. He launched ConvertKit and he's grown this thing up. And what's interesting is that when Nathan first started learning about stuff, he said, I'm going to do a challenge. I'm going to challenge myself. It's scary. I'm going to blog every single day for an entire year, right? That's, that's like, that's a big commitment. He's like, I'm just going to do it for an entire year. And he started this thing, started documenting journey for an entire year. Every single day, woke up in the morning, did a blog post. Woke up in the morning, did a blog post. And after a year, um, he was financially free. Okay, there's something magic about that. We have an understanding, okay? So for those who are my writers, you need to start blogging. And I want you to commit to me to a year, publish every single day for a year. How many of you guys can commit to me to every single day for a year? How many of you guys would do it if you, financial freedom was guaranteed on the other side of it? Okay, I will commit to you that. Okay, if you do every single day for a year, you will have that at the end of it. I promise you that. You will find your voice, you will attract the right people, and everything will change for you. Okay, put me in the test, I dare you. And come back in a year from now and be like, Russell, I'm still broke. Guarantee it's not gonna happen. Guarantee it, all right? Okay, how many of you guys are like, oh, writing sucks, Russell, I'd rather die than write words. That's like, what? Why would you do that? Okay, I understand that. Writing is hard. All right, so how many of you guys like, I could though, like, get behind a microphone and just talk and just talk every day. That'd be really, really fun. How many of you guys are my talkers? All right. So my talkers, you're starting a podcast. Congratulations, you are officially now podcast hosts. Okay, you're starting a podcast. Um, what's the new podcast app? I've, Anchor. Okay, if you can't do a podcast, there's an app called Anchor. It's like free or like a dollar. I don't even know. Either way, it's worth the, like it's amazing, right? And you can literally just click a button. You record a podcast, you click a button. It throws on your intro, your exit, uploads to iTunes, and you're live. Like that easy. Okay, there's no issue. Like, I don't know how to do a podcast. Like, ah. Oh. Okay, where's your sister at? Is she here today? Okay, or just give her money. Okay, stand up real quick. This is what she does for a living now. You record a podcast, you send it to her, and then she makes a magic live on the internet. Okay, my brother does that, does that for me. Like, I have no idea how, like, people are like, how do you get your podcast on iTunes? I'm like, uh, I click record on my phone, I talk into it, and then when I'm done, I stop, and I click a button, I say email to Scott, and then it goes to Scott, and the next day is magic on iTunes. They're like, well, what microphone do you use? I'm like, the, the one on my phone, the little like line there, I just talk into it. Like the sound quality is so good. I'm like, are you serious? I'm in my car every single time. You can hear the engine's like, like, the sound quality is horrible. But I've been doing it consistently, man, six, seven, seven years now. Okay. But I had to find something I knew that I could do. When I started my podcast, I was like, I know that I'm not going to write every single day. That's hard for me. I know that I'm not going to do videos every day, but like every single day I get in the car and I drive to work. Okay, and so I'm going to do something simple. I'm just going to have my phone. I'm just going to talk because I know if it's going to be an interview show, it's going to be hard for me to like get the mics and things and the line of speakers and it's just going to be hard. I want to do something I know I can actually do every single day. Every day I'm in the car, I'm just going to do it in the car. So those who have been following for a long time, it used to be called marketing your car. It was just me driving to the office, talking about whatever. And it was like, it's funny looking back on it now. Poor Julie had it. Like when she first started working with us, she listened to all like 600 episodes in a weekend. And um, can you imagine that being in my brain for an entire weekend? Like, that would be painful. Anyway, but like, it started right after our company collapsed. I laid off like 80 people. I've shrunk from like a 20,000 square foot office to 2,000 square foot office. I was the brink of bankruptcy. I was trying to figure out how not to go to jail and get shut down by the IRS and all sorts of things. And I was like, this is a good time to start a podcast. I'm going to document my journey. <laughs> Why was I thinking that? I don't know. A so grateful idea because I started documenting this process. And if you listen to it, it's funny. Julie's messaging me that weekend. She's like, you literally just said you have this idea you think is going to change the world. And it's this thing you have, you're hearing called ClickFunnels. And she's like, you literally just said that you think growing a company over $10 million is the stupidest thing you've ever heard of. She's like, you literally just said, and like all these things. I'm like, I said that? Like it's the most hilarious thing in the world. But what's amazing now is five years later, I have 
people that come to my world and they listen to something and they start listening and then what happens? They start binge listening. They go back to the very beginning, listen to episode number one. They go through this whole thing and all of a sudden I see them in an event and they're like, dude, Russell, I went on this journey with you. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I thought you were the stuck up annoying kid, but like, I saw the journey and you went through a hard, hard time. And like, I feel like I'm connected to you and every single time I'm hearing you and like, and like, I'm on the treadmill and like my intimate times where I'm like, just nothing else. Like you're in my mind talking. I'm hearing your voice. I'm hearing your language patterns. I actually believe this is possible now because I've listened to you every single day for the last week of my life. Now, what's my ability like to serve that person? It's way different, right? Okay. Because I was able and I was willing to document the journey. Okay. Now this is the other funny thing. Um, (laughs) um, If you guys, the very first funnel hacking live that Garrett White ever spoke at, or the very first one ever, he came and spoke at it. And I, I, I didn't find the clip for this, but it was so funny. I quote it in the Expert Seekers book. He was talking about this. He's like, when you first start, you're going to suck. He said, but the good news is, as you continue to do this, eventually you'll suck less. And if you continue to, eventually you'll suck less so little, you'll actually become good. Okay? And it's true. Like, first thing, when you guys first start publishing, you're going to be horrible at it. But the good news is, nobody's actually listening to you at first. You're going to be like, Russell, no one's listening. I'm like, that's the good thing. I have no followers. Perfect. That's the best time to start. You start with a whole bunch of people, it stresses you out, right? Start when no one's listening, then it's not that bad. This is the funniest thing. Steve and I were sitting there one day, and this is like 400 episodes in or whatever. And he's talking. He's like, you know what's weird? He's like, the first like 40, 45 episodes of your podcast, you were horrible. He's like, but somewhere around 45, 46, like you started getting a rhythm, and then it got good, and then it got really good. I was like, man, I am so glad that I didn't stop. Okay. Um, in fact, what's fascinating is that I didn't even know how to check my podcast stats until after episode like four or 500. Like I had no idea. And I'm so grateful I had no idea how many people were listening. Because if I would have known that no one was listening, I probably would have stopped. Isn't that scary? But because I had no idea how many people were listening, I was like, someone's probably listening. They keep going. I kept going, kept going, kept going. And eventually people started listening and they started following and they started sharing and started growing. Okay. And I found my voice. Now I can stand up here in front of you guys with like doodles as notes and talk for three days because I found my voice. I've told these stories a billion times, right? Because they're over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. So you have to become comfortable. Number three, um, how many guys don't want to write, don't want to be audio, but you're like, I need my own stage to present. Where are my people that need a stage? <laughs> he needs a stage. All right. You guys, you should start video. Okay. Starting some kind of vlog. It can be, I don't care if it's Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives, YouTube, I don't care what it is, but start going live. Okay? And it's going to be scary at first. It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward, but I promise you guys it's worth it. It'll be worth it um, in 12 months from now when you come back and you're like, oh my gosh, Russell, some weird things happen. I found my voice. Another thing that's amazing about this, when you start doing this, um, um, there's a scripture, I believe it's in Luke or in John. Uh, where Christ talked a little about this. He said, uh, he said my, vo- my, my sheep will hear my voice and they will come to me, right? And what's interesting, that's, a, that's an eternal true principle in all things, right? Your people will hear your voice and they will come to you, okay? How many of you guys, in fact, I had Kim and Toby Shell who aren't here today, but um, they were in Kenya with us a little while ago. And it's funny because they didn't come, they weren't planning to come to the first Fun Hacking Live, and, uh, but they won a two comic club award. So like, hey, you should come to, you should come to get your two comic club award. And they're like, Ah, we don't really do events. We're like, dude, we're literally giving you a gold record on stage. You need to come. Like, ah, fine. So they came. And they said, when they got there, he said, I felt like it was my family. I felt like, like I finally belong. And these are my people, right? And they felt that way. How many of you guys felt that way when you came into our world? Right? Like, for me, it's like, I started sharing my voice. And at first, the first five or six years, I didn't share what I was truly passionate about. I was sharing like all sorts of stuff because I thought it was cool. And like, that's when I found these customers I didn't like. When I finally was like, screwed, I'm just going to share what I actually am passionate about, what I actually care about. That's when you guys all showed up. Fascinating to me. 
okay? So you start sharing it, your people will hear your voice. They will find you, they will come to you, but you have to share your voice. If you don't put it out there, no one's gonna find you. If you're willing to do that, okay? They will magnetically become attracted to you. And the better you get, the more people will come to you. The more consistent you are, the more people will come to you. Okay, but you gotta be consistent. All right, that's number one, documented journey. Step number two in this process um, called testing your material. Okay. Um, uh, Two months ago, I went on the secret Illuminati men's camp out with all these amazing people. And uh, it was this group. They told us, like, don't tell anyone you're going on this trip. I'm like, really? Like, because I literally document every second of my life somewhere. Like, people are, my wife will think I'm dead or something if I'm not Instagramming every second of this. He's like, no, because, like, you can't tell people. And like, ah. So we all show up at the airport. Like, it's like eight of us. We're all twitching. Like, and like, can we really not share this? Like, you got, like, eight of the biggest influencers in the world who are, like, share every second. And you said, don't share it. They're like, yeah, we can't share it. I'm like, duh. And finally, like, it's funny, within like 15 minutes, I see everybody like Instagram. So I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, look at you. Like, I was literally, I'm such a nerd. If you guys remember Instagram that day, I'm about to get on a helicopter with Tom Billaboo, the founder of Quest Bars. And he's got this bag of Quest chips. And I'm like, Quest has chips. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude, like, I'm like totally freaking out. And I'm trying to be on nonchalant as I'm getting on the helicopter with the owner of a billion dollar supplement company. Like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, I have to document this. Like, so I get my phone out and I have this awkward picture, like, and it's like thin. And I tag like Tom Bilibu, founder of Quest, jumping on the helicopter. Thing. And I tag like, he's not following me. He'll never know. And I was like, such a nerd, right? But like, um, anyway, where am I going with this? You guys are more and more scared the more you get to know me, huh? This is Russell unscripted. Um, how many of you, by the way, are coming on the cruise? So fun. You see a lot more of this there. Anyway, so, um, so I met this secret Illuminati group with all these amazing people. We're hanging around a campfire. I thought it was supposed to be a marketing meeting. We're supposed to talk about marketing. It turns out no one wants to talk about marketing. They were talking about feelings and people like men were crying and it was so weird and awkward and like, I didn't know what to do. And then like, I'm crying. and I'm like, what is happening? I don't know how to connect with this. This is uh, amazing. It was amazing. But finally, in the middle of all this amazingness, we had one marketing principle that Dean Graciosi dropped I was like, it was amazing. Sitting around the campfire, he said, you know what's interesting? He said, if you look at the big comedians, right? They get on the big stage and they tell these jokes and every single joke that they tell lands and they nail, everyone's laughing. And like, man, that guy is so talented. He said, you don't understand is that the way, the, the path of a comedian, this is what happens. They start their career and they go over to this little dive bar and they write 10 jokes. They stand up, they get the microphone, they're like, okay. And they tell the jokes the very first time. They're awkward, they're nervous. And they tell the 10 jokes. And for the most part, they're bad. And they might get one or maybe two laughs. They're like, okay, those two jokes were good. The other 10 sucked. So they go back home that night. They're like, okay, cool. Delete those eight jokes. Joke number one, joke number two. We're keeping those because they were good. Write eight new jokes. Write new jokes. They go to the next dive bar and they test the material again. Okay, joke number one, boom, nails it. Joke number two, boom, nails it. Then joke number three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And of those next seven, one maybe hits. And like, cool, I got three jokes. Goes back to the drawing board. Joke one, joke two, joke three. Okay, I need seven new jokes, right? New seven new jokes, goes next dive bar. Boom, nails it, boom, nails it, boom, nails it. Fail, fail, fail. Boom, nails it, boom, nails it, boom. Comes back, does it again, does it again, does it again. Until finally they get the spot, they got 10 jokes. They tracks it again, another dive bar. Nails it, nails it, nails it. Everything was perfect. They got the material. Now they call up the big stage. They get on stage and say, got the microphone and they start telling the stories and just every single thing, boom, they nail it, they nail it, they nail it. Everyone's laughing, cracking up like that person is the funniest human being on earth, right? That's how it works. Okay, so the lesson for you guys is this, right? If you look at how can Russell tell it, in fact, this story now, do you want to hear how that story of the secret Illuminati meeting and the thing? So after Dean told me that story, I was, oh my gosh. 
And that night at Vox, Dave, I'm like, dude, Dave, oh, I told him the story. And I totally jacked it up. I kind of got it. And Dave got the gist. He was excited. I'm like, cool. Then that next morning I woke up and I was like all still excited. So I got my uh, little app out. I clicked record and I recorded a podcast where I told that story, right? Then the next two days later, I was at Dana Derrick's event, Dream 100 Con. I'm standing on stage and I told that story again. Then the next week, um, where are we at next? Three or four more times I told that story and I just told it to you guys today. I've been testing that material. I've been testing that line over and over and over and over and over again. Okay? Now I know how to tell that story. Now I know how to land it. So everyone's like, oh, and you have the aha moment, right? This book, this event, okay? I've been writing this for six months, writing the jokes, getting it all lined out, trying to figure it out, doing the doodles, trying to figure the whole thing out. Then I spoke to Dana Derek's Dream 100 Con uh, two months ago, whatever that was. Who, anyone here at that event? That was my first shot testing this material. I tested it. I told, I told, I did the whole two days, but I did a two hour presentation where I tested much of the material. A couple things nailed. A couple things were like people with eyes glazed over. I'm like, that was really confusing. <laughs> okay. Note to self. Don't tell that story again. Shift this, change some things, tweak some things that came back. And then um, I've been testing a lot of these stories in podcasts, in Facebook lives, in stories, in interviews. I've been testing material, testing, testing, testing it. This whole experience, the next two days is me testing this material before I sit down and start actually writing the book. You guys understand that? Testing material, testing material, testing material. If you think you're going to stand up on stage the very first time, give a presentation and crush it, it's not going to happen. Okay? This documentation of your journey is your chance to start testing your material, to tell your stories, to figure it out. What do people respond to? What are they liking? What are they not liking? Did I tell it right? Did I land that joke right? Did I tell the story right? Are they confused? Does it make sense? How do I simplify this? Okay? That's the process you have to learn in this journey to become who you need to be to serve the people you're trying to serve. Does that make sense? Okay, it's, it's uh, testing your material, okay? And you're testing it all the time, over and over and over and over and over again. How many of you guys have, told, have heard my potato gun story more than once? More than twice? Three times, four, five, six. anyway, yeah, it's bad, right? Imagine me, I've heard it billions of times. I hate that story. I'm like, oh, I gotta tell this story again. Okay, this is what's hard though. Your audience, you will get sick of your stories way before your audience does. They should understand. You can be like, I don't know I can tell you. I already told that story. To who? To the eight people who were following you a year ago? Tell it again. No one's ever heard that story before. Tell it again. No one's ever heard that story. Even if they have heard it, the second time it might resonate different. The second time they might, they might be in a different state in their life where it can actually affect them this time. The second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time. Okay? Don't be afraid to do it. You have to keep opening your mouth. Keep putting it out there and you become more comfortable. You get better at doing it. More people will come into your world and keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. Okay, half of you guys, in fact, this is one of the points I'm going to coach Nick on tonight when he comes back, is keep telling the story. He told the story initially the first time I heard it. I haven't heard him talk about it again. Tell your story more often. Tell it again and again and again until you are nauseated and sick about it because that's about the time your audience is going to be like, oh, this makes sense. Okay, so you're documenting the journey, telling your stories, testing your material, doing it over and over and over again. If you do this for a year, by the time it's done, you will understand, you will find your voice. You'll understand how to actually get the results. People will have a path to watch. Um, your material will be good, like... Um, you know how to tell your stories. Amazing things will happen from this process. Okay, and then number three is during this process, you are finding your hooks. Okay? Um, probably one of the best case studies to share of this one was Anthony D. Clemente. When he first came out with the Biohacking Secrets book, or the Bio, um, Biohacker's Guide to, um, yeah, that book, Right? And we were, John was running by and ads and was kind of doing okay, but not having a lot of success. And we're like, oh, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, okay, Anthony, what I want you to do is this book has got like 5,000 biohacks in there. Every single day, pick a biohack, show it, and then tell people to go buy your book. Just do a Facebook Live every single day. And I was like, do the weird stuff too, like the lasers in your nose and your ears and like the glowing rooms and all the weird stuff. The weirder, the better. So he's like, all right. 
And I said, he said, how long do I need to do that? I said, every day until forever. He's like, you serious? I'm like, oh yeah, only if you want money though. If you don't want money, you can stop anytime you want. But if you want to change the world, make a lot of money, do it every single day until I tell you to stop. He's like, you're serious? I'm like, yeah. Like, I've been doing this 15 years now and I'm not stopped. Like, okay, as soon as you're bored and, go, and like are tired of the impact and tired of the income, then you can stop. Until then, like, this is your job. This is your role. This is what you do for a living, right? So I said, okay, every single day. So he's like, okay. So the first one he gets on, he gets these like glasses that, gl- that shine lights in your eyes and glow green. He's like, hey, I'm Anthony DiClemente, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about this thing. And like, you should get my book. This is a really cool biohack. Okay. Did it on his fan page. His fan page at the time had three fans, him, his mom, and me. All three of us saw it. Nobody bought the book. He's like, ah, this isn't going to work. I'm like, do it again. Find your voice. Do the next one. So he did the next one. He did some other weird thing in a cryo, uh, cryo sauna. Nothing happened. The next one, did the next one, did the next one. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day, uh, all the way to day 11. I think it was day 11. He was sitting there in his kitchen. He's like, I don't want to do another stupid video for freaking Russell. Hashtag do what Russell says. Yeah, right. This is horrible, right? And then he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do something easy. I'm going to teach people how to biohack their vegetables. So he gets a pan out and he's like, hey, how to biohack your vegetables. He's like, literally what you do is you get butter, organic grass-fed butter, and you, you like put it in the pan, and then you put your vegetables and you cook it in grass-fed butter. That's how you biohack your vegetables. If you want more biohacks like this, go buy my book. Put it out there. I think John spent 10, usually like, we, we test something, we put like five or $10 in ads to see if anyone did any traction, it wasn't anything. And for some reason, that video, that hook, for some reason, how to biohack your vegetables was a hook. Then we threw that into the red ocean, right? Back here. We threw that hook into the red ocean. And for some reason, people grabbed onto it. And he targeted all, Dave Asprey's audience. He targeted um, other people. He targeted all the different people who might like that. And that video, I'm getting over a million views, sold thousands and thousands of copies of, of his book, built his fan page. And he's like, this is amazing. He's like, can I stop doing videos now? I'm like, no, keep doing it. He did the next video and didn't work. Next video didn't work. Next video didn't work. Next video didn't work. Next one, boom, that one worked. Three million views. Next video didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Boom, blew up again. What he was doing in this process, he's testing hooks. We have no idea what is going to get these people to, what's going to hook them, what's going to grab them, okay? And so what we do is we try to figure out, okay, instead of like testing much stuff, I'm going to make the perfect hook. We spend all the time designing it and choreographing and make it perfect. And we put all of our time and our energy and effort in this thing. And then we're like, we throw it out into the market and then nobody bites. Right, funnels are a scam. They don't work. I'm going back to my job, right? It's like, dude, you, you tested one hook. We have no idea, right? The success doesn't come from testing the perfect hook. The success comes from throwing thousands and thousands of hooks in the water and seeing what's going to work, what's going to work, what's going to work, what's going to work. Boom, that worked. Run with it. Test the next thing. Boom, boom. We're testing hooks, testing hooks, testing hooks, okay? I'm testing hooks like crazy all the time, over and over and over, because I have no idea what's going to work. And the ones that work, then we run deep into them, Okay? So that's what Anthony's doing. That's what this whole process is for. Okay? Even if you have nothing to sell yet, I'm testing my hooks. Which ones do people respond to? Which ones do I do a, when I do an episode? I get people messing like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. That's how I know the hook worked. Right? I did this one episode on like um, why, uh, why entrepreneurs suck at vacations. It, it was a podcast. Because right? I was about to go on a vacation. I was angry. I'm like, I don't want to go on a vacation. I want to like work. My wife doesn't understand because she thinks it's like this gift to me. I'm like, the gift would be for you to allow me to stay at home working. This doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a gift for you, not for me. But I have to go because I love her. Oh, and like, I'm struggling, right? And so I'm in my car venting on the way to work. How many of you guys remember that episode? Oh, I'm glad she doesn't listen to my, my podcast. Anyway, so I'm venting about how entrepreneurs suck at vacations. Man, and then as I'm going on vacation, I'm flying, and my, everywhere that people can contact me is blowing up. Instagram, Facebook, all these places. Like, dude, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. I'm the same way. I'm like blowing up. I'm like, huh, 
we hit a, like, I hit a nerve with that one. Like, that was something that, like, well, that was the right hook that connected people. So then I'm in Hawaii. I'm like, hey, hon, do you mind if I make a video? Because I have to do something. I'm, like, freaking out. She's like, oh, yeah, you can make a video. I'm like, sweet. So I'm, like, out there. Brent was there at the time. And uh, I'm, like, having a pad. I'm writing out a whole script for this thing. And then we're like, we didn't have a teleprompter. We had nothing. So I had a piece of paper, like, stapled to a tree. And Brent's holding the thing. And I'm, like, pitching this thing. And I'm doing it. And I sent it to Kevin. He edits it. And we, like, make this video. and put it out there. And it was a good hook. And it blew up and did really good, right? But I'm always testing the hooks to find out what works, right? Because it's rarely the things that we think are going to be the ones that hit. Most times it's stuff that you, like, probably wouldn't do or the things you're vulnerable like. Do you think Natalie Hodson was like, oh my gosh, I peed my pants. This is amazing. I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> no, right? But she's like, I wonder, maybe let's throw out a hook. Oh my gosh, that was the one. Who knew? And that wasn't her first hook. She tried thing after thing after thing after thing after thing before. She tried a lot of things after they haven't hit as big, right? But you never know. It's just like it's consistently putting out hooks to find out what the market actually wants. Our biggest problem as entrepreneurs is we have ideas for things. We become obsessed with them and we try to shove it down the, the, the throat of our market as opposed to finding out what the market actually wants. So I'm just throwing out hooks, trying to figure out what you guys want. As soon as you let me know, boom, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I, like, it's on. It's on my Donkey Kong, right? The 30-day challenge, that funnel I thought was going to, how many of you saw the 30days.com challenge, the whole funnel? Like I thought maybe we would sell, um, man, I think, our, I think our goal initially going was like 2,000 copies of the book. Um, we sold 7,500. That funnel did $1.2 million on uh, a free event with a hundred dollar book ups. Like it was insane. Like that one worked, right? We have 7,500 people going through this challenge right now. Like, okay, we're just going to do a lot more of that every single day for forever. I'm going to talk about, I'll show you guys our value ladder tomorrow, but it's shifted. Like that is now the focal point of all of our value ladder. Everything we're doing now is based on that because that hook worked right now. We know like, okay, let's go deep as deep as we can possibly go. Right? So when you're finding hooked and you're going with it, um, by the way, I'm also always looking, one of the reasons why I'm doing this whole dream 100 thing, listening to podcasts and and, and all these things I'm watching people, I'm looking what hooks they're throwing out there as well. What things are resonating, right? Sometimes I'll see a hook that's thrown out there and I'm like, man, that was really good. And I'll see it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that person got blah, how many views? Like, and this, actually this morning, <laughs> this morning, I was uh, on my phone this morning going through and Prince EA, how many of you guys follow Prince EA? Uh, amazing dude. And he had this video that he just launched and it was talking about Jim Carrey like a week or two ago in the, in the news was doing this crazy stuff. And um, anyway, he did this video. It was like, Jim Carrey is going crazy and him saying like, Jim's not crazy. This is why. And there's this thing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And this whole like side-by-side video of the, of the, the event happening right now and him talking about it. I think the video has got like, I don't know, 20 or 30 million views at this point. Like it's crazy, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. He's not my direct market, but like, could I somehow tell a story about Jim Carrey? Cause apparently that hook just worked right now. Maybe I could make something based on that as well. Right? So I'm looking at other hooks, things that people are using. I'm like, and this gives you ideas for the hooks you can be using, right? All of us and all these different platforms are throwing out hooks. Every podcast episode, there's a hook someone's throwing out there trying to grab somebody. So I'm looking at those and listening. Like, which ones did I want to click on? Which ones I did not, didn't want to click on? Which emails did I click on to read? One of the most fascinating things you can do is go back to your email history and just look through it and look at what emails you opened and then stop and be like, why did I open on that? What was the hook that got me to open? Huh, what that subject line say? Every time I send an email out, the first thing I do is I log into my Gmail and I go back like 10 years and I start scrolling through and looking at like the subject lines that got me to open 10 years ago. I'm like, huh, that was a really good one. I'm just going to use that. Okay. So you're looking for hooks all the time. Um, okay. You guys having fun? I love this. Okay. Uh, where's my little clicker thing? The stage is all over the place. Okay, so there you go. There's the doodle we just did. So um, finding your voice, you guys. How many of you guys will commit to me that you will publish every day for the next 12 months of your life? 
Those are all the people who love money and impacting and change the world. Those who are not ready to commit to that, raise your hand yet. All right, Stephen's going to grab you guys who are not willing to commit yet. He will beat you into submission. All right. Only do it, though, if you want to change people's lives and make way more money. Otherwise, don't even worry about it. Okay. Uh, the Harmon Brothers. We're doing the second video with the Harmon Brothers right now. Uh, the Prospector Part 2. But if you ever notice their videos, they always have a line at the very end that's in every one of their videos. If you study the scripts, it's like, um, uh, like a total negative qualifier. Like, um, if, uh, if you hate money, if you, or if you hate, uh, there's always something, then don't buy our product. Otherwise, it's just like, um, anyway, we should hold an event just dissecting their videos. They're all or nothing things. Okay. Um, cool. We're actually good on time-ish. All right. Okay, all right, next thing I want to talk about. So I want to go deeper into this whole hook piece. Some of you guys may notice over the last, since Funnel Hacking Live till now, there's been a thing that I've been going deep on over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, um, right now we're actually doing a rewrite of the Expert Seekers book to include this in the beginning because it's such a key integral piece that I feel like I missed when we did the book the first time that I want to make sure it's in there. I know some of you guys have heard me talk about this, but I'm going to go through it again and again and again because it's, it's the foundation that I think some people are, um, are struggling with. So the concept is this, the hook, the story, and the offer. Uh, one of the reasons why some of you guys are struggling is because you, can't, you haven't figured this piece out yet. So I want to dissect all the different pieces of it because these three things are used everywhere. They are used in the funnels. They are used on the sales page, right? Funnels are .com secrets. Sales pages are, are expert secrets. But in traffic, they're used as well, Okay. Hook story and offer is more important here than anywhere. So I'm going to talk about from a high level, but then we need to understand this because I, as I dig deeper into like, how do we get that person who's scrolling to stop and click on my ad and come into my funnels, right? It's all about this. Hook story offer, hook story offer, hook story offer, okay? All right. So <coughs> first thing I want to talk about, really this hook story offer. Okay. The first thing I want to talk about is the, one of the biggest problems a lot of you guys are having is you're putting all your eggs into one basket of like, I'm going to sell this thing. I know what I'm going to sell. And this is the thing, right? Um, and what we have to become better at doing is really, um, have, like it comes down to, again, like understanding that it's not what we want to sell. It's like, what is the, what does the market actually want? I'm right. Potential products. Okay, so what's the difference between a product and an offer? Who out there knows this? If Mr. Stephen Larson hasn't drilled this into your heads enough, then we can, we can do it more. Okay, um, I'm not going to run it. Well, I'll just say it. Okay, so the difference between product. So product is a thing, like a singular thing, right? Um, an offer is you're stacking together multiple things into something amazing, right? So if you look at the way we do everything, in the office we call this a stack slide, but an offer is basically just a whole bunch of products mushed together. Okay, so what, it's interesting, like, especially the biggest blowback I get from this is definitely in the e-commerce world where people are like, they read Expert Secrets, like, oh, Expert Secrets is for gurus and internet info marketers. It's not for people like me. I'm like, ah, oh, if you think that, you missed the whole point altogether, right? Expert Secrets is all about figuring out how do you create an offer, right? An offer is, is taking it from like, I sell this thing. I sell, what's something we could sell? Let's say I'm an e-commerce person, right? Oh, you guys want that? 
All right. It's getting real now. Okay. So you guys want that. Okay. So when you have a product, the biggest problem with the, with the singular product, we talked about earlier, search versus interest, right? A product is a price, a commodity, right? And when you are selling a commodity, it's like a race to the bottom, okay? So I'm gonna, fi- I'm gonna pick something. I did this exercise in the One Fun Away Challenge, which is why some of you guys have heard this, and those who haven't heard this yet means you're not doing your homework. Or you didn't sign up for the challenge, which means you didn't respond to one of our offers, which hurts me. I'm trying to make these things amazing for you guys. Um, okay, so in, in the challenge I talked about is I wanted to pick a, a random product that's just like a random product, right? So I thought the product I'm gonna pick is the DVD of the movie, The Greatest Showman. How many of you guys have seen The Greatest Showman? How many of you guys, when I said that, you broke out into song in your head and you're like dancing around and my wife wants me to dress up like the greatest showman at Funnel Hacking Live. She's like, you should do the thing and we'll have like a cape and we'll do this thing. I'm like, no, I will never do that in a million years. It's going to be so cool. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to, anyway. So movie's awesome, right? Now, if you go to Amazon right now and try to buy the DVD greatest showman, how much does it cost? Like what, 19, I don't know how much DVDs are nowadays, 20 bucks, 20 bucks to say for DVD, right? Now, if I wanted to be a guy and I'm like, I'm going to sell The Greatest Showman, I'm going to sell it on Amazon, everyone else selling on Amazon, how am I going to compete? The only way to compete then is like, to try to like, make it cheap. Like, well, you're selling for 20, I'll sell for 19. You're like, well, I'll sell for 18, well, I'll do 17. 16 feet, all of a sudden you just race to the bottom, right? And that's how most marketing happens. It's like the worst thing in the world. That's how you're selling a product, right? You're taking this thing, it's a, it's a Greatest Showman DVD, and you're trying to sell it. Okay, so for e-commerce sellers or for anybody selling anything for any matter, I don't care if you're an affiliate, you're a network marketer, affiliate marketer, if you're a dentist, a chiropractor, anything, if you understand this principle, the thing you're selling is just one piece. It is a product. And as soon as you shift from a product to an offer, you switch from being a commodity where you're fighting on price to so you're becoming an offer, which now you are your own thing. Now I can sell you on the perceived value of my offer, right? So if I was going to do the greatest showman, I would take the DVD and say, okay, uh, the first thing you're going to get when you buy the DVD for me is you're going to get the Greatest Showman DVD. Everyone else got the same thing, but I'm going to give you the DVD as well. Now I start thinking like, what are other potential things that someone who bought the DVD would also like? So I start thinking, okay, Greatest Showman, what's Greatest Showman is about? It's about P.T. Barnum. So who's P.T. Barnum? P.T. Barnum was the guy who started Barnum Bailey Circus, a bunch of other things. Like, what do I know about P.T. Barnum? Well, he was an entrepreneur. Um, and now I obviously still entrepreneur. So I'm like, hey, what, like, how is that exciting for people? And I look back in time and I found out that P.T. Barnum wrote like five or six different books about entrepreneurship back in the early 1900s. Is that crazy? Uh, some amazing books, right? So I started looking deeper and I'm like, he wrote, um, oh, this right here. He wrote uh, three or four books. This is like book number one, book number two, book number three. Now it's cool because in the early 1900s, pre-1923 means everything he published is actually in the public domain. The copyright laws happened in 1923. So anything published pre-1923 in the United States of America is not, law, is not subject to copyright law, which means I can take all of P.T. Barnum's books that he wrote and I, I can take those and I own the rights to them. If you go to gutenberg.org, everything on gutenberg.org is in the public domain, which means you can republish without asking anybody ever, right? So literally, I go to gutenberg.org, I type in P.T. Barnum, and three of his books are there, the entire PDF manuscripts. I take those, and I can do whatever I want with them, right? So I can go and get somebody to make an e-cover for it. I can write my own intro for it. I could, like, I could do a whole bunch of amazing things. I can make a deri- they call it a derivative work. Now I got all these things, right? So now I say, look, if you buy The Greatest Showman for me, you'll get The Greatest Showman just like everybody else. But on top of that, I'm going to give you three books that P.T. Barnum wrote, digital books you can put on your Kindle reader, you can read them anytime you want, all about entrepreneurship and growing your company. Is that cool? Then I'm like, cool. Now what else can I find out about P.T. Barnum? I'm like, okay, let me think, let me think. Um, let me go to YouTube and search P.T. Barnum. I searched YouTube for P.T. Barnum. What I found is like five or six amazing videos of people talking about P.T. Barnum, telling his life story, telling his, his history, talking about what he did and how he did and why he did. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like amazing. These are potential products that are listed in YouTube. So I got the YouTube videos. 
about P.T. Barnum. And I'm like, I wonder if anyone else has talked about P.T. Barnum, other cool stuff. I searched iTunes. I found out there's five different podcasts. People went deep into P.T. Barnum's story. And they're fascinating interviews from people talking about P.T. Barnum. So I'm like, cool. I have these podcasts over here of P.T. Barnum, uh, people talking about P.T. Barnum. Then I start searching Amazon. I found out there was a guy who happened to be one of our friends named Joe Vitale who wrote a book called There's a Customer Born Every Single Minute. How many of you guys got that book in the mail? You're welcome. So um, I call up Joe Vitale. I'm like, dude, you wrote a book on P.T. Barnum? The movie's huge right now. He's like, I know. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, can I get a copy of the book? I want to like bundle that book in. He's like, sure, you can buy it. Here's my publisher. Get the numbers. So I call the publisher up. I buy a whole bunch of copies. Now I have a, a copy of the book, A Customer Born Every Single Minute. So when you buy the DVD through me, you get the DVD plus you get um, the three books plus you can get the secret vault of youtube videos with all my favorite videos of people talking about pt barn plus secret vault of podcast interviews plus one of my friends who's the number one foremost expert on PT Barnum wrote an entire book on that. I also give you the PT Barnum book as well. And I'm like, hey, Joe, a couple other questions. Do you have anything else amazing about PT Barnum? Obviously, you did a lot of work when you were studying him. And, and Joe's like, oh, yeah, I actually have this other like PDF I wrote. It's like 30 pages called the, the 10 Circles of Power. I mean, if you want, you can have the rights to the PDF as well and do whatever you want with it. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because Joe's like, man, uh, this book's awesome. I'd love to, like, you can sell it and it's on your platform. Most people find out about my book by reading the report. So then Joe gives me the PDF to, um, the PDF to, um, to his book. I throw in the PDF as well. You get the, the, the unreleased PDF book called The Ten Rings of Power. And I keep going on and on and on, right? I start thinking, like, what are all the potential products I could create? Maybe I read, maybe I watch the DVD, and then me, I'm going to give my commentary. I'm going to record an hour-long um, recording of myself on my phone talking about, after watching the movie, here's all the insights I saw for my specific business, okay? Boom, now there's another part of the offer. It's like Russell's recordings on his thoughts about P.T. Barnum. Throw that in the offer. I can go on and on and on. I can interview Steven. You watch the movie, right? What do you, how does... P.T. Barnum's story relate back to offer creation. He could tell me, like, like Julie, how's it work to, to funnel creation? She could, I can interview her. I can interview John. How's it work to, based on traffic? I can interview four or five people. How's it work based on systems? James P. Frill, can I interview about how P.T. Barnum's systems would actually work in today's market? He's like, sure, I'd love to be on your platform talking about things. Sweet, I get him to do it. Also, I have all these assets, right? All these potential products that come out of this thing, they become huge, right? I put him in this offer. Now, I can go to Amazon or go to someone else and say, look, you can buy the DVD from so-and-so over here for $20. Mine's, I'm still actually selling for $2,000. But um, when you buy it from me, you also get this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And because I'm no longer a commodity, some of you guys are giving me $2,000 for that offer. Am I right? Okay. Because it's no longer a commodity. I'm able to turn it to an offer and now I can sell it based on perceived value because I'm the only person that has these other things, right? Nobody else, I'm the only person who can make this offer. So when I break it from a product to an offer, it breaks the bands of being a commodity. Now it becomes something that's unique to me. Only I have it. I'm the only person that has this. You can buy the DVD, like that's a little piece of it in other places, but I'm the only person that has the greatest showman offer for entrepreneurs, the bundle, right? And so that's what we're talking about here with, with, uh, with offers, right? So you see this on the PowerPoint slides on, uh, in, a, in a perfect webinar. It's like, there it is. It's the, it's the, the offer stack, right? And so what I want you guys doing for yourselves, and you should like, God, I wish I could spend six months just doing the exercise with you guys. But if I was to come to your office right now and you're struggling, I'd be like, okay, what are you selling? And you'd be like, oh, I'm selling this. I'm like, okay, that's a thing. Make one bullet point. That's why you're not making money yet. You've got a thing. Like, what else do your people want? How can you serve them at a higher level? What are the other things? Let's start thinking outside the box, okay? Who could you interview that could provide more value to the people? What could you find? Who could you, who, what could you create? Like, what are the other things? In fact, um, man, this is the first time I almost bankrupted my, co- my company. Um, yeah, that's embarrassing. Three, anyway, first time. 
everything's collapsing. We're about to be completely broke. And I'm like, screwed. I have no idea what to do. I'm like, nothing we're selling is working anymore. No one wants anything. I have a little list of customers. I'm like, what do we do? I called a bunch of my friends. We ended up in my office and I sat in front of a whiteboard. I said, okay, what could we actually sell? And we brainstormed for hours. Like, what if we did this? What if we did this? What if, like, how else could we serve them? What else do they want? What else do they need? Like, what? Like, and we just kept making a list of all this stuff. And eventually, we had this huge list of all these things you potentially could sell. And I'm like, okay, well, some of these things are crazy. Like, we got ridiculous. Like, you could fly to Russell's house and he'll massage you while you read his book and stuff like that. And like, no one wants that, right? So when I come back later, I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that one or that one. But, oh my gosh, like, this one's actually amazing. And like, let's make that part of it. And then let's take this and that'll be part of the offer. Then this, and this, let's start breaking down these parts of the offer, okay? I'm going to be using this, this, um, this, uh, this board of offers throughout today, Okay. Because if, if you want, like, the, or excuse me, uh, t- tomorrow as well. Because if you think about it, like, all I'm doing, I'll give you a, a, a quick sneak peek for, for, um, for tomorrow. But basically, when I have an ad, on an ad, there's three things that are important. My hook, my story, and my offer, right? I have an ad, I got to hook them, they tell a story, and then they click, the offers, like, click on this button to get whatever, right? And then they go somewhere. Then they hit a landing page. And on the landing page, I have to do a hook, a story, and offer. So I'm like, hey, um, so maybe I, like, Click here, and I'm going to give you this thing. So they click on the button. They go to the page where I give them this thing. It's like, give me your email address. I'll email it to you. Give me email address. I give them that. Boom. Then it comes the next page. It's like, cool. Now you've got this. I made a special offer, which is these five things. Give me money, and I'll give you this part. And so then, boom, I give them that. And then the next page, upsells, like, give me money, and I'll give you this, this, and this, and this, right? So I'm taking this, like, this big vault of all the different potential products I have, and that, that's how I'm creating my offers. I'm pulling pieces out of them. I'm using things like that. Okay, I'll show you guys that more. We'll go deeper in tomorrow, but I just want you guys to see where we're going with this. Like, this is insanely important. Tonight in your hotel room, you should be like, what else can I sell them? What else can I sell them? What else? And just keep thinking of how you can create value for your people and just keep building it and keep building it and keep building it. We have our next launch. The 10X Secrets launch is coming out. Um, I think it was two weeks away from that launch. And this is the question right now. Like, I know we have a six-hour training of me teaching, teaching everybody um, how we did $3 million in 90 minutes. So I'm like, what else does people need? What else do they need? And we're going in the archives, like everything we ever created. I'm like, oh crap, we did five fat events. At every single fat event, um, I literally grabbed someone randomly from the audience, put them up on stage, and uh, I sat there with them, and I had them tell me their stories, and I had them sit down in the audience, and I pretended like I was them, and pitched their product for them, and we recorded all of them. So I'm like, holy crap, let's use, like, luckily I documented the journey, because I have all this stuff that's been on the cutting room floor for the last year or two. I'm like, that's actually a really good part of the offer. Like, how many of you guys, after you watch my six-hour training, would love to see me actually pitch five other people's products? One of them was a pregnant woman. I literally became a pregnant woman and pitched their product from stage. And you can watch the entire video of me, first off, asking her the questions I needed to create the webinar. And then I stood there and got in state as a pregnant woman, and I pitched the thing. I sold the crap out of it. It was amazing, right? Who here wanted to buy that thing afterwards? Stephen was like, I'm all in. Yes, he was in too. Anyway, <laughs> so that was like a part of the offer. And it's like, what else do I have? What else, what else, what are the other things that, that someone who bought this would be interested in? Like, what are the other things that are like on the cutting room floor, right? And that's what we're looking for. Or like, where did I learn pieces? Like I learned the stack from Armin Moore. What if I called Armin and like interviewed him on how he does the stack, right? I learned trial closes from, um, from Ted Thomas. What if I called Ted Thomas and do an interview with him about how he did uh, trial closes? And like find the people who actually taught me the pieces and make that all part of the offer. Now that becomes like this sexy, amazing thing where there's, I, I can sell for whatever I want at this point, right? Because I built the offer, I built the value of the offer so high, <laughs> okay? But for a lot of you guys, you're coming in, you've got like one shot at base, I got one product, let's go for it. And you're like, huh, it's not working. It's like, dude, you got to test more stuff. You need more products, more things, because I can't create offers. I don't, it's just like testing hooks. I don't know what they're going to buy until I try a bunch of things. And so it's like getting, it's this creation of stuff, right? Okay, now a couple, 
levels deeper I'm going here, right? So this is the offer part of it, right? We got offer. Now, for every single offer, if you come backwards to the story, there's multiple stories for every offer, right? It's not singular, okay? So there are different stories. I'm not going to go too deep in it tonight, but if you guys have read the Expert Secrets book, we talk about Epiphany Bridge stories, right? So there's our little Epiphany Bridge gap, right? And so there's multiple stories like this for each, each hook, right? So for example, if I come back to the Greatest Showman example, right? One story I could tell is like, hey, I took my kids to this movie called The Greatest Showman, and I, I didn't know what it was about. And as I got in there, I realized it's all about entrepreneurship. And I got all excited. I remember um, when the movie ended, I opened a Wikipedia and, uh, and I was looking up P.T. Barnum. I looked it up and I started seeing his life and all the stuff he did and things that I didn't even know about. And I started getting excited. I started researching and I ended up finding these books he wrote. I found these other things and it was like, it was amazing. I realized he was probably the, the country's, probably not the first, but probably the biggest entrepreneur of his time. Like he's like the Elon Musk of the time. And I was like, man, what can I learn from that guy? And I started finding these books. I started reading in these books that are unpublished that you can't even find anymore anywhere. I started reading them. And it was just the most amazing thing in the world as I started realizing that, man, the way that he got the circus to be so big, can I use that same principles in my company uh, myself? Um, in fact, one of the fascinating things I found, have you guys read this, this part actually in the book? So good. So two days before P.T. Barnum died, he um, wrote his own obituary and published it to all the newspapers. And he was still alive. And they asked him, like, why did you publish your obituary? He's like, oh, I figured the death of a famous man like me might sell some more tickets to the, to the circus. Like, what? Who does that? Isn't that amazing? Like, I love this guy. Like, he's cut from the same thread as me. Like, I love him, right? And because of that, I put together this really special offer because I want you guys to watch the DVD, but that's just scratching the surface. That's Hollywood's rendition. How do you guys know behind the scenes of what actually happened, what he did, what he believed, and how we can implement our business? Because if you get started right now, you can get the DVD. Plus, I'm going to give you those five books. Second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the video of me explaining to my kids how these things relate back to us as entrepreneurs. Plus, I found this guy who wrote this book, and I go through the offer, right? That's one story, okay? But there's other stories in the offer. I can tell another story. When I first got started online, um, I remember I bought this course from Mark Joyner. It's called his Farewell Package. He retired from the internet. And, uh, and I bought this thing. There was like 20 CDs of him interviewing the top internet marketing uh, people in, in the industry at the time. And uh, CD number two was an interview with a guy named Joe Vitale. And Joe Vitale owns a site called MrFire.com. And I remember I listened to that interview. I was, I was, in, I was in, I like loved everything that Joe Vitale said. And I remember afterwards I went to MrFire.com. I'm looking at the site. And when I went to the site, there was a, a tab that said hire him. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to hire Joe Vitale to like do marketing for me. So I click on the tab and I went there and he had his rate sheet. And he was charging $6 per word to write an email. $6 per word, even the little words like uh and the, six bucks per word to write an email. I was like, what? How is that even possible? But I became obsessed with Joe Vitale and I started buying every single thing he had published. I'm like, if he's charging $6 per word, I want to read every single word he's written that I can find. And one of the very first books I bought was a book called There's a Customer Born Every Single Minute. And what's fascinating, this book is actually about um, a movie, or excuse me, about a man named P.T. Barnum. And I remember reading this book and it goes through 10 rings of power about how P.T. Barnum was the world's, um, the, the, the world's greatest entrepreneur and all these different principles, what he did to build up the P.T. Barnum brand and the circus and everything. And then he ties back to how it relates back to us. I remember buying that book and devouring it. I loved it. And then I put it on my shelf and I forgot about it for a decade. A decade later, this movie comes out called The Greatest Showman. I didn't know it was a musical. I wouldn't have gone. But my wife tricks me. Like, oh, you should go to this thing. I'm like, oh, whatever. And I take my kids there and all they start singing. I'm like, what in the world's happening? But then I saw Wolverine come out. I was like, sweet. Wolverine's going to come out. He's dancing. And I'm really more confused. And then a few minutes into it, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, 
P.T. Barnum, I remember reading a book by, Joe Vit- by Mr. Fire like 10 years ago. And I start freaking out. I go to Wikipedia and I see the thing and I email Joe Vitale. I'm like, dude, you watched the movie? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, your book is so relevant right now. He's like, ah, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing with it? He's like, nothing. I'm like, what? Can I buy 600 copies to send to all my top clients? Because that book is insanely good. He's like, yes. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I have this PDF that I wrote that I never published. If you want, you can give them that too. I'm like, are you kidding me? That'd be amazing. Can I interview you about like what you learned from back then going through this huge research project? And he was like, yeah. So I put in this offer, like, I'm going to give you guys a DVD because I'm sure you want that. But second off, um, I got a copy of the, of this customer born every miss completely out of print right now. It's really hard. In fact, you go to eBay now, you can get copies for like two or 300 bucks. But I got, um, I actually contacted the publisher. I printed a batch. I have it in my warehouse. You can't get them anywhere else right now. It's hard to buy online. I've got a bunch of those. Plus, I have this unreleased PDF that Joe Vitale actually wrote about it, which is insanely cool. Um, then on top of that, you let me interview him. Plus, I found three of P.T. Barnum's old books, and I build up the offer again, I sell it. Different stories, same offer. I could do another one and another one and another one, okay? Every offer is multiple stories. Which story is the best one to sell? I don't know. That's why I'm testing my material. I'm seeing what's happening. I'm testing things. I'm testing things. I'm testing to find out which one's going to be the best that's going to resonate with people. So when I have a shot to stand in front of people and pitch something, I'm leading with the best story. But I don't know that if I'm not publishing, right? Okay. All right. I'm going to go one level back from that. Okay. Um, So every offer is multiple stories. Every story has multiple hooks. You see why it's important we're publishing a lot of crap? Which hook's the right hook? To get them the right story, to get them the one to buy the offer. Okay? I gotta be testing stuff. I'm trying a lot of things. Okay? It was fascinating when we did the video with the Harmon brothers, one of the very first things that they did, because it's a big production. It's half a million dollars for them to make a video for you, right? That was back then. It's actually gone up since then. It's, it's crazy. And so like, we got one shot at making this thing go as big as we can. And you can't like launch a viral video and like, oh, hold on a second, like change it up, try another one. Like, you got one shot. So it was fascinating we worked with them. The very first thing they did after we got everything done, they said, we want to test all these hooks before we launch a video. Like, how do you do that? And they're like, well, um, and what they did is a couple of things. Number one, they said, there's, um, there's a lot of different hooks in a thing, right? One hook is like the, the headline that, that's going to hook you, right? Another thing is the image. Another thing is the video. Like, there's a lot of different hooks, right? And so what they did is they said, they, uh, they actually opened a Google Doc with everyone on their team and our team. and said, like, everyone write your best headlines possible. We had like 40 people and they're all writing as many hooks as we can. Had tons of them in there, right? And then they went and wrote these ads that, had, uh, that just had the hook of the headline on there. And they drove it to a landing page that said, coming soon. And all these hooks. And they started running some traffic to it. They spent, I think, five to ten bucks for every single hook, putting them all through there. And within like a day or two, like these are the three headlines that converted the best out of all of those. Just sending it to like a dead page. But we invested like, what, 150, 200 bucks. We knew now from that. This, and then we got closer and closer. Like this is the best headline of all the ones we tested. Then we know what images are going to work the best. So you take a whole bunch of images, then another $150, $200 through a bunch of images, and like, boom, this is the image. This headline, this image worked the best. And they had intros. They had like five different intros of how to start the video. They had the one of um, the pretty girl coming in, the gold digger. They had another one. They had a bunch of different ones. We tested little intros of those videos. They saw which one people watched the longest. And then before we launched the video, we knew this is the best headline, this is the best um, image, and this is the best intro. And then we're going to do our best shot possible. Okay? And it was fascinating. We spent probably 500 bucks on this testing process. We had the data back and we went with our best shot. Okay? That's the same thing we're doing as we're publishing every day. We're testing hook after hook after hook. We're testing all these different things. We're testing the stories to figure out what are people resonating with. And then when we have a chance to finally sell something, we're putting our best, our best uh, effort forward, right? Putting our best shot forward. Um, and so that's kind of how this whole thing works. So the hooks lead to the story and they lead to the offer. So for you guys, as we're thinking through this right now, um, and this, again, this isn't just creating your product. 
This is everything from the ad to the click to the landing page to the upside. Like everything is coming back to initially having this here. You need a palette. You need like a toolkit, a bot, I don't know what you call it, but a whole place with all these different products in there because from there we're testing all these things. We're creating offers and we're putting them all together. Does that make sense? Okay. We are doing pretty good on time. Let me see where I want to go from here. Um, oh, cool. Actually, we're doing... I got probably... Do you guys have questions on this? I probably got like five to ten minutes. I can do a couple questions real quick before I move on if anyone wants a question on this part at all. Unless I'm as clear as can be. Does anyone have a question on hook story offer before we, before we move on to the last piece here? Right behind you, John. Is this part of the uh, perfect webinar? Because it looks very familiar with, with the stuff that you've talked about regarding the perfect webinar. Good question. This question is this part of the perfect webinar. So, um, yeah, in fact, like I said, right now we're doing a rewrite of Expert Secrets. This is going to be coming probably earlier in the book. Because the problem I found with Expert Secrets as we rolled it out is, is people get into it and they get confused because I'm like, there's multiple, like, uh, one thing, three secrets, different stories, like, like a whole bunch of stories. But, like, at its, its core essence initially, um, like, I can just give a hook, tell a story, and sell an offer, right? The perfect webinar is, like, if we're selling more expensive things, we're trying to build it out, like, it becomes... Maybe there's a hook, and for us, there's three stories, right? Story number one, to break their, their uh, beliefs about the vehicle. Story number two, breaking their internal beliefs. Story number three, so we're telling multiple stories to be able to knock down the dominoes to make the offer easier to sell. So yes, it, as, as it evolves, more stories come in, more things. But from the most foundational standpoint, this is it. If you want like, the framework to sell anything, it's like hook, story, offer. And then as the thing you're selling becomes more complex, it's better stories. As more false beliefs come in, it's better stories. It's more stories. Like, it keeps adding upon itself. But from the base foundation, like this is... This is the simplest form of how the whole process works. And especially from the traffic side, because you know, the, the intent of this event is the traffic side. Like, I'm not, like, most of my ads, the story's not super complex, right? It's a little quick video or it's a thing like they're shorter and the offer's like, click on my thing, right? Come in here, hook them, tell the story, click on the thing. And so in that context, it's like the building box, the most simple form. But then it gets more complex as you get deeper to like, how do we do the presentation? How do we do, you know, things like that? It gets deeper and deeper. But from the core foundation, that's the, that's the process. Good question. Right over here. Oh. Got it. Okay, um, so my question is, Stephen's got me thinking about the difference between art and science. And uh, Stephen talked about that it's science, right? So, but I have a really hard time figuring out my stories. Do you have any advice on how to find your stories, cultivate them, and the science of finding your stories and telling them in a good way where people can relate to them and they have a purpose? Yeah, where's Miles at? Is Miles in the room? He may not be right now. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a funny story. So, um, those who know Miles, I was, um, he came last week, traveled on two things with us, and we we're sitting there, and he was like, You have a story about everything. I was like, I don't know. I'm like, Everything's got a story. He's like, No, they don't. And we're sitting there, and he had his feet crossed, and uh, you don't have to come, Miles. I'm just telling a story about you. Um, but he's got his feet, I'm telling you a story about your shoes. So he's sitting there, and um, I was like, What's the story about your shoes? He's like, They're just vans. I'm like, What's the story behind? He's like, I don't know, I like vans. I'm like, Dude, there's a better story than that. I'm like, you have to remember, like, what is the process of why you bought those? Like, there's something that happened that made you do that, right? And most of us think the story is the thing, but the story is not the thing. The story is everything that happened to you, coming up to you, experiencing and doing the thing. They get to go back in time, and most of us say, like, there's no story. They're just shoes with a zipper, right? You don't hear my zipper? I can tell you a story of my zipper story. You want to hear this? Okay, here's my story on my shoes. Um, so we were in San Francisco. I bought the case. Okay, let me go even deeper back. Okay, so two funnel hacking lives ago, Bart, hey, you guys know Bart Miller? 
Bart was like, joined the inner circle, and he's like, Russell, you look like a, like a 16-year-old kid. Your shirt's super baggy, and you have T-shirts, and it's really embarrassing, and I can't allow you as a friend to let you step on stage looking like that. And so, like, he took me shopping, bought me skinny jeans and weird shirts and all sorts of stuff, and I was like, ah, and I didn't say anything. I spoke, this is two fun hockey lives ago, and afterwards, people were like, man, have you lost weight? You look so much better. I'm like, no, but I have skinny jeans on. They're like, whoa, you look, and I was like, weird, that, ah, uh. anyway. And so Bart's make me dress this way for the last two years. And so the other day he sent me these things about, he's like, buy these shoes. And they were like some weird freaky shoes. And I was like, ah, so I bought them. And then the cart next to it was like, people bought this, also bought this. And they were these shoes with the zipper on it. And I was like, those are cool, I think, but I don't really know. I don't know if I trust my judgment, but people bought this, also bought that. So maybe it is. And so, ah, uh, so I bought it, right? So then the shoes show up and I'm like, these are kind of cool. So I put them on and then I've never seen shoes with a zipper on the side. And I was like, this is weird. So I zip them up and I'm like, huh. And then we go to San Francisco. I happen to wear them there. So I'm in San Francisco, and uh, we're hanging out with Dan Usher. You guys don't know Dan. Um, he was not here today, but he's, if you watch any of the Funnel Hacking Live uh, promotional videos, him and his team wanted to do all those, where they're running around the room and do these cool, crazy videos. Blake on, is on his team running around here videos. You probably see it. Yeah, that's Blake. So, so Dan, and Dan's like the coolest, like artsy guy. He's always got crazy hair and like, you know, dresses all cool. He's like the cool guy all the time. You're just like, man, that guy is so cool. He's like oozing cool, and I don't even know what to do around him. It's awkward. And so we're hanging out talking, and I remember... After the 10X event, he was like, we need a shot of you in a helicopter flying over Mandalay Bay. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, we need an establishing shot for the 10X video in a year from now so that they can um, see you looking over, the, over Mandalay Bay, like thoughtful. And then we'll shot with that shot and then we'll zoom into Mandalay Bay where you sell $3 million in 90 minutes. I'm like, you think things through really far out. He's like, yeah, I actually already booked a helicopter. They have a special kind of, you can strip a, hook a strap on, you like hang out the window of the helicopter and we'll film you from behind looking at Mandalay Bay. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is insane. And so an hour later, I'm literally in a helicopter strapped in, sitting out, hanging over, flying over Mandalay Bay and I'm freaking out. And I get these pictures. I think I'm so cool. And then uh, after we land, Dan is like all upset. I'm like, what? Did it not come out good? He's like, your shoes, like they suck. I'm like, what? He's like, why would you wear those shoes to fly over Mandalay Bay? I'm like. I didn't even notice my shoes. He's like, you could have had cool shoes. And I said, I was like, all paranoid about my shoes, right? So then fast forward to we're in San Francisco and um, we're hanging out with Dan and we're, and, uh, and we're talking about Caleb Maddox. And uh, it was funny because uh, we're talking about Caleb and you guys know Caleb, like I love Caleb, he's awesome. And we're talking about Caleb and, and, and um, Dan was, oh, what did he say? Something happened and Dan's like, we must be successful. I'm like, how can you tell? He's like, well, he's got, he wears zippers on his shoes now. Like, you can't get cheap shoes with zippers on them. I'm like, how much do these zippers and shoes cost? He's like, I don't know, two or three grand. I'm like, really? And he's like, why? He's like, why? I'm like, I look down, I'm like, dude, I have zippers on my shoes. He's like, what? You have zippers on your shoes? How much do you pay for those? I was like, I don't actually know. The people who bought this also bought that. And I had, like, it was this weird thing, right? And so now I have zipper shoes. And that's the whole story behind zipper shoes. So, that was my shoes for crying out loud. How many guys can tell us? So, all right, so let me, I digress. Um, so I'm sitting there with Miles in the airport and he's like, you tell stories about everything. Like, what's the story? And I was like, well, tell me the story about your shoes. He's like, there's no story about my shoes. I just like them. I'm like, why do you like them? He's like, I don't know. I just buy them. I'm like, dude, there's a story. He's like, all right, there's a story. I'm like, okay, what is it? I'm like, this, the, the key to telling a story is not the thing. It's the journey of how you discovered the thing. He's like, well, a couple years ago, I was like dating this girl. And that, before I took her on a date, like, 
I was like, you know, doing the thing where you check them out, trying to figure out like what they like. And I noticed every single day she wore Vans. I never had Vans before, but I noticed that she wore Vans every single day. So I was like, man, they must be cool. And she thinks they're cool. So if I had Vans, I would think they're cool. So I went to the store and I didn't buy one. I bought three pairs of Vans because I was like, I don't know what outfit I'm going to make sure I have because I want to make sure I impress her. So I bought three pairs of Vans and I wore them and I asked her on a date and then we both had Vans on. We had this really cool moment. And he's like, but ever since then, I've always thought Vans were cool. In fact, the only shoes that I wear now and the only ones I own are Vans, all because I wanted to impress that girl all those years ago. I was like, dude, now I care about your shoes, right? How many of you guys tonight when you walk up miles and be like, dude, nice Vans, right? Because you care about it. All of you guys now are like wondering how much I spent for these zipper shoes. Some of you guys have already Googled it. You're like, how much do those zipper shoes actually cost, Russell? Right? How much do I do? Um, the keys in the story. And then we had some at the office, Shane, who's doing behind the scenes of all the One Funnel Away stuff. Um, he, he's going through the training with everybody right now. And he's like, dude, you have stories for everything. And then um, I was like, you do too. You just don't know how to tell them. He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, what's the story there? Because he has a fan hooked to his desk. It's really awkward and really loud. And we always tease him. I'm like, what's the story about your fan right there? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why do you have fans? Like, I get hot. I'm like, okay, that's a crappy story. I'm like, there's a story. Why do you have a fan on your desk? Like, think back in your past. There's a, like, what happened that made you have a fan right now today? And even, be, even with all of us teasing you, you still have it hooked there. And he's like, well, oh, I know what happened. He's like, my old job, I would come in every day, I'd be working and I'd be so hot. I'd be pouring sweat down my face and I'd have to like take breaks all the time because I decided to cool off. And my boss got so sick and tired of me taking breaks all the time. He bought me this fan and mounted it to my thing. He said, stop moving, stop leaving your desk. This fan will keep you cool. And he hooked it up and it was amazing. I kept myself cool. And like this fan, I've taken me from job to job to job and I never leave without it because I have to have it. Otherwise I'm like way less productive because I sweat and I take these breaks all the time. And so now I have this fan. I was like, dude, why don't you tell us that day number one? We would have stopped teasing you. That's an amazing story. You should have a fan. Don't take breaks, right? It's amazing. But for, but for all of you guys, there's a story. Like, why is Stephen wearing a capitalist pig shirt? There's a story. Why is he wearing this um, lucky hat? There's a story. Do you want to know his story? I'll tell you what the story is. How many of you want to hear the story? Last year, Funnel Hacking Live, I may butcher this, but I think I'm right. Tony Robbins comes out on stage as a giant and he's got a lucky hat on. He's bouncing around. And Stephen, like me, has a fat head. Am I right? I can't wear hats. But Tony Robbins comes on stage and Tony's the only human being who's got a bigger head than me or Stephen combined, right? And he's like, he looks really good in this lucky hat. And then afterwards, Stephen had a chance to talk to him and he's like, hey, nice hat. And Tony's like, oh yeah, I own equity in the company. And Stephen's like, oh my gosh. And then every day since then, Stephen's worn a lucky hat. Isn't that amazing? Okay. Every single one of you guys, there's a story about why you do what you do. And if I ask you, like, oh, because I like purple shirts. No, you don't. There's a reason why you actually wear a purple shirt. Okay? You just have to get better at, like, remembering the reason why. Okay? So it's not magic. It's just going back in time and, like, trying to think through that thing. Okay? It's giving, it's giving the report of, like, how you got to the, the spot. And that's the magic in telling stories. It's just remembering that. Because all of us are like, no one cares about my story. No one cares the fact my boss bought me a fan. No one cares that the girlfriend I had a day at a time liked Vans. No, we do. That's why we care. If you tell that story, and the next level of that is you start weaving in um, the emotion of it, right? Um, the coolest thing about human beings is we have this really weird thing called empathy, right? So as I talk to you, you're going to feel, if I do it right, um, you will feel what I feel, right? So if I'm like, hey, I came to the office and I was really tired, and then I worked really hard, and then went home, and I was super tired. You're like, okay, why do I care? Or if I'm like, hey, uh, so last night I came in um, because I'm working on these slides for this event, and I was really excited. And, um, and I was kind of stuck on this thing. I couldn't figure out this concept. I knew kind of what it was, but I can't figure it out. So I came in, and um, we're remodeling our office. So there's no desks and stuff. So I'm on, this, on the floor sitting down, bent over, doodling on these pads for hours. I'm ripping it. I'm doodling. I'm ripping it. I'm doodling. I'm having a good time with it. But man, like my back was just like, 
Like I could feel the pain in my back and it just hurt and I got so much tension. I stand up, I had to like stretch, just get my back to hurt, but it hurt so bad. And like, it was just painful. I'm sitting there and I had to stretch every 15, 20 minutes and I sit back down and I'd work again. I get going, but after a while I could, I could feel the pain. I was starting on the top of my neck and I'd go down towards my feet and to the point it got so bad, I had to stop and I stand up again. I have to stretch again, walk around and I get back down, sit on the ground and keep doing that. I could do that for the whole day. So now today, like, oh, like my back is just like super, super stiff. It's really, really weird. How many of you right now is your back kind of like, you can like, you're like super conscious of your spine right now. Isn't that weird as humans? So we have to learn is like, as you're talking about the experience, you don't just say, I felt happy, I felt sad. You explain what you're feeling. If I explain like, man, my hands were sweating and like, it was really weird. Um, like they were red, like they were cold. You know, I feel like the cold in the backside, but like, they're like, it was wet on this side, like warm and wet. It was just really weird feeling. And the more nervous I got, like the more wet it got. And my, but my fingers were like blue and my knuckles were cold. I was just kind of freaking out. And like, how many of you guys are your hands sweating right now? Right? That's what happens with humans. Like we have empathy. So when I talk about experiences, your body will actually experience what I'm explaining. So when I'm telling a story. I'm not just like, oh, I was sad. Oh, I was happy. If I was Miles telling the story, I would talk about it like, man, I had butterflies in my stomach because it was the first time. And like, I, I, I want to ask her a date, but I was nervous. I was excited. And as I was going to the store, I was like, ah, oh, this is embarrassing. I'm even doing this. But, but I knew that like, if I had that connection point, it wouldn't be awkward the first time we talked, right? Because you know how awkward that is the first time. Like, if we both had vans, maybe it'll, it'll make this easier. And as I'm telling the story, you guys are feeling the butterflies with me. You remember the first time you went on a date. Like, all these things are happening subconsciously, and you're feeling what I'm feeling. Okay, so I need to get you to have this epiphany. If I'm using, if I'm taking you on this journey and I'm using those kind of things and explaining how my body is feeling, your body will feel the same things and you will actually be in the same state I was in when I had my epiphany. And if I do that, you're more likely to have the same epiphany I did. It's not guaranteed, but you're more likely to, if you're in the same state that I was in when I experienced that, you're more likely to experience it as well. Okay, so the story is all about state control. I'm trying to tell you a story that'll engage you, that'll change your state so you feel the way that I felt as I was experiencing it. And if I can do that, the likelihood is then you're going to have the aha, the epiphany, the same one that I had if we're in that, in that zone. Does that make sense? So those are the things I'm looking for is figuring out the backstory, telling it. Don't be, and most of us are like, oh, no one wants to hear the story. No one wants to hear, like, don't, like, forget about that. Like, tell the story and go deep into it on your podcast, on your blog, whatever it is you're doing, whatever medium you pick, start practicing. This is what you should be practicing, telling your story, doing the backstory, going through it. If you need a script, go to Expert Secrets. It's the, the Epiphany Bird script. We have the process. We have the questions. Just answer the questions, but go into it. Like, what's the backstory? What's the wall you hit? What's the pain? What's the, like, just tell the, the process, but telling the story and, like, actually talking about how you felt, which for us men is really, really difficult. In fact, I had this thing with Dave the other day. Dave's been working really hard on, on storytelling, but Dave's also, like, the manliest man ever. Like, he literally, I don't know if you guys knew this, he, like, had something happen in his back. We had no feelings in his feet for, like, a year, and he's at my house, there lifting weights, being tough, he's running around, like, all these things, and like, eventually I'm like, he's like, getting to the point where it's getting worse and worse, so he can barely stand up, I'm like, are you okay? He's like, oh yeah, I feel great. I'm like, I don't think you do. Like, I'm pretty sure you're messed up. And finally with the doctor, and he had like, some bone thing growing out, it's like poking into his nerves, and like, he can barely feel anything, and like, and like, they go in and cut it out, and he's feeling better, but like, he's just like, like, I'm, I'm tough, I'm fine. And then I'm watching his stories, and one day I messaged him, like, Dave, I know why you're struggling with your stories. He's like, why? I'm like, you're too tough. You have to share your feelings. Like, I'm telling you my feelings. I'm like, I know. If you want people to connect, you have to tell them your feelings. Tell them you're in pain. The reason why people connect with me is I complain about everything. <laughs> right? When I come in the office, like, people are going to know if I'm tired or if I'm sad or if I'm happy or if I'm angry. I'm going to tell them the reason why 
and they're going to connect with me, and Dave's going to walk in all tough and excited, right? Which is fun and exciting, but like, if you want people to connect with you, you got to tell this, you got to open up your feelings, which is hard. That's why we're testing this, that's why we're practicing, why we're publishing. We're getting more comfortable sharing it, and you're doing it more often, and you're doing it more often. The more you do it, eventually you realize, oh my gosh, these things I'm so scared about telling people is the exact reason why people are coming to me. Isn't that weird? The stuff that we're so scared of sharing, the stuff that we're, that we're vulnerable about, that we don't want to share, the things we don't want to open up are the exact things that are going to bring our audience to us. Okay? So don't be afraid of it. Um, Nick Bailey said at last year's circle meeting, he said that your mess, your mess becomes your message. And while we're in the middle of the mess, it's like freaky and scary. We don't want to talk about it. But man, that will become your message. The more willing you are to open it up, the more people will come to you and the more people's lives will be able to change. Right? Um, all right. Okay, I'm going to transition to the last piece here because it's going to tie a lot of these things together, hopefully. And then we'll break for lunch here in a second. Um, our hook story offer. So there is the doodle of what we doodled. Um, if I take a picture of that. Um, we're going to come back this weekend a lot over the potential product. So I want to make sure you guys are thinking through that. We're not going to take time right now, but start thinking, like, what are the different pieces that I could create? What are all the, the byproducts? A lot of times what, when we're creating this, it's like you create the thing. What are the byproducts of the stuff you created, right? Um, Liz Benny, when she launched her first webinar, she, she was uh, teaching people social media, how to become a social media manager, right? So she created her product, which was the training course on it. And then she's like, what else? Like, what should be all my bonuses? And I was like, well, what's the byproducts of all, like, of what you did? And most people think like, like, okay, this is going to be a six-hour training. This will be a six-hour, and like you're creating your offer, like just more stuff. Most of your people don't need more stuff. They don't need more training. In fact, one of the biggest things we found about this program when we launched initially, I gave you guys access to everything on planet Earth, Right? That's probably the worst thing I could have done. Next year, I guarantee we're cutting out all that crap. We're giving you guys a very simplized path. It's like, you can only listen to this right now, right? Because we're giving people everything. Like, the last thing people need is more stuff, right? And that's a mistake I've made multiple times. And like, for Liz, she's like, I can do this. And that. I'm like, no, don't create another course. I was like, what's the by, like the most valuable thing will be the byproducts of what you have created in the process of this thing, right? And the result you're trying to get for people. And she's like, well, as a social media manager, I paid a, a lawyer like $3,000 to write contracts for me. I was like, that one piece of paper is more valuable than another like 22-hour training to people. Like, I paid a guy three grand, he wrote a contract, I'll give you my contract, you can use for your clients. Boom. One piece of paper. Super valuable. Uh, Robbie Summers and I created a product called High Ticket Secrets back in the day. Okay? It's a $1,000 course. It's two pieces of paper. And Robbie talking about the two pieces of paper. That's it. $1,000 course, right? Those two pieces of paper are the sales script we use to sell hundreds of millions of dollars of things on the phone. Okay? It doesn't have to be this big thing. It's like the, the byproduct, what you're doing, that's, that's the magic, right? So think about like, what, like if you're trying to figure out what products you're creating, it's the byproduct of all the stuff that you're doing, right? Anyway, um, all right. So the last thing we'll talk about today, just to kind of tie some of these things we've been, we've been talking about together, is how do you start growing your show, right? You're publishing, you're putting this show out there. How are you going to start growing it? Um, so I'm just going to show you guys this image here. This is, this is really it, okay? When you start your show... And people ask sometimes, should I do an interview show? Should I just have me talking? How should I do it? And the answer is both. Um, you should be doing both things. And there, there's a strategy behind all of them, right? I think initially when you first start a podcast or a blog or a Facebook Live, or whatever you're doing, it should be just you. It should be you telling your origin story. It should be you testing your material, you telling stories, you learning these things, like starting there and start doing things. And again, the goal of at the end is to get some kind of result, right? I'm going to take you on the journey as I try to figure out this thing. Okay, my podcast, the marketing secrets thing is my podcast, my journey of like me starting a software company to making it worth a billion dollars, right? It's this journey I'm taking people on when I'm learning every single step in the phase. 
Okay? So whatever your result is, that's where you're taking people on this journey. And you're telling your story, you're telling your stories, telling your stories. And then you're like, oh my gosh, here's my dream 100. I want to, I want to build a relationship with that person. They can help serve my audience. They've got really good stuff helps as well. Let me bring them on the show. Okay, now I build this connection point with them. I interview them, right? Now I have this piece. Now what a lot of people do is they interview someone on the show and they don't do anything with it afterwards. Like, cool, I got so-and-so to be on my show and then they forget about it. Oh, I got so-and-so to be on my show, I forget about it. Okay, if you look at the people that are doing this very strategically, very, very well, um, every interview should like dramatically increase your, your show's following, right? For example, the other day, Mark Joyner, my very first mentor ever, um, I'm obviously a huge fan of his. I've been following him for years. He posted on his Facebook page, like, hey, so-and-so's interview, cool guy, you should check out my interview. I was like, huh, I haven't listened to an interview from Mark for, man, probably five or six years. And so I was like, huh, so I clicked on it, took me over to iTunes, I subscribed to this thing, I found Mark's interview, I listened to it. I listened to 90 minutes of this guy interviewing Mark, or excuse me, 60 minutes of this guy interviewing Mark, and I was like sucked back into Mark Joyner. I loved it. I was like, this guy, like, <laughs> it was so cool to reconnect with one of my first mentors and hear him talk again. And now I'm subscribed to that guy's podcast. And every single day in my podcast feed, I see the new podcast coming in. Because he interviewed Mark, now I'm listening to his podcast. Never would have before. Never knew who he was from Adam prior to that. But now I'm subscribed to his show. Okay? Um, when, um, um, when Mike Diller launched uh, the Self-Made Man podcast, he did a really, really good job of this. He was very strategic in who he picked along the thing, right? And it wasn't just like random people. He had like a journey he was taking people on. He's like, hey, who's the first person that my customers need to hear? Who's the second? Who's the third? Who's the fourth? And then he interviewed the person. And it wasn't just interviewed and then it fall away. He interviewed him. I know because I got interviewed on the show. He interviewed it. And then afterwards, he made this really cool image of like me and him. It was like amazing and really, really good. And he sent it to me and a bunch of like social media links stuff. He's like, here, you don't have to promote this, but if you want to, Here's all the assets to promote it. I was like, oh my gosh, this stuff looks amazing. So I posted it on my, on my Facebook fan page. I posted it on my Instagram. I posted it four or five places. And I just put a bunch of things out there. And he earned his way into my audience. He didn't, I didn't, he didn't pay me for that. But he gave me these glasses. So I put it in, right? So he earned his way in. But the second thing he did is then he took those same assets he created. And then he logged into Instagram, Facebook, every single channel that I'm on. And then he marketed the fact that I was speaking to all of my audiences, Right? And for the next like two or three weeks, anybody who's a Russell Brunson fan saw me and Mike every single page, and tons of our friends and followers and fans started going to Mike's podcast and subscribing to the self made man and to hear my podcast. And now they're in the feed, now they're part of the show, and they hear it over and over and over and over again. Okay? So as you're growing the show, you're taking yourself on this journey. And I would, I would strategically do this. Like, I think most of you guys know, like, if you're going to get this result, what are the steps, right? Like in my world, I know if someone's going to get a result, first I do, they got to figure out who's their customer. They got to figure out what are they selling and they got to figure out how to build a funnel and how to do a sales message and how to drive traffic. Like there's all these, these pieces in the customer journey, right? So I would figure out, okay, now that I know the different pieces in this customer journey, like I'm going to talk about this three or four episodes and maybe I'm going to find who's someone that could provide value in that. I'm going to bring that person in. Boom, you get the interview. So it helps people in the, in the, um, in the, who are listening to the interview to be able to like learn that same topic from somebody else. And I'm going to take that to leverage it to grow my show. I'm going to go through the next three or four episodes of me talking about my thing and then find the next person that can bring more value to, to what I'm talking about. Boom, use that to leverage the show and keep doing that. And what's going to happen is in the interim, I'm going to build tons of relationships with my Dream 100. I'm going to get my customers, my clients, and myself faster to our result. And it's going to grow my show and grow my platform so that at the end of 12, uh, 12 months from now, if you guys have been doing this for 12 months from now, you don't just have the static thing with like three followers. You actually have a thing that's thriving, that's growing. You have a following people who are listening to you or watching you or reading you. You guys understand like when people are following you in these situations, like you have access to them in like their most intimate moments, right? Think about a podcast. Like when do people listen to a podcast? It's like they put it in when they're on the treadmill at the gym. 
Nothing else happening. They're listening to you. And like you have full attention of their mind for an hour, right? And they're listening to the thing. Or they're driving and they're listening. Or they're home in bed and they can't fall asleep and they're listening. You have like full control of their brain. If someone's reading a blog post, it's not like they're doing 20 things at once. You can't do 20 things at once for blog posts. Like they're there. They get a notification on the app. They stop everything in the world. They stop. And you have their mind shares. They're reading the thing, right? Same thing Facebook Live. It digs up. You pop. Like it's amazing like what people give us their attention to. It's weird now. Like we'll put out a video and it's maybe a 30-minute video, and then you can watch the back end, like how much view time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that video wasted 40 hours, or excuse me, not 40 hours, 40 years of time were wasted watching this video. If you took it like end-to-end all human beings, like in a timeline, it's crazy. And people are giving you that attention. So like <clears throat> this whole world, like traffic, sales, ascension, all these things we're talking about is all based on the attention that your customers are willing to give you. Okay? And so it's like, it's a sacred thing when you start thinking about like how many hours are invested in the stuff you're doing. Like just this room right now, we've been on going, how many, five, let's say 10 hours today, right? We'll go through it. 10 hours times all your guys' time. Like how many hours of time do we just invest in this, right? Like it's a sacred thing. Like I don't take that lightly. That's why I've been killing myself preparing this stuff for you guys. Cause I'm like, I don't want to waste anyone's time here. Cause I waste one person's time times how many people we have, 300 people in the room here. That's a lot of time we all, we all wasted, right? And so <laughs> understand that as you're doing it, like, like, it's a huge service what people are giving you their attention, but at the same time, you have a chance to serve them every single time you're doing that, right? And so this is really how you should be looking strategic of growing your show, telling your stories, practicing your hooks, practicing your stories, putting everything, testing your material, bringing in somebody who, who can emphasize what you talked about, then going back, doing it, doing it, doing it, re-bringing it back in. And Julie and I were kind of brainstorming some stuff before. She does this fascinating. This is really cool. Um, actually, you want to talk about your 12 months topics, things like that? Um, you got the mic right there. This is how she kind of structure her content, which would fit in this concept um, very, very similar as well. Yeah. So um, for those of you guys who are like, ah, I don't know what to talk about. I, you know, I can't think of any topics. Um, what I would do is take, you know, let's just say Russell's show, Sales Funnels. I would first go on a piece of paper and write 12 like subtopics to Sales Funnels. And so just shout them out. What would they be? Like ads, copy, design, um, offer creation, traffic, right? like social media, all the things related to sales funnels, write 12 topics, <laughs> then start with the, with number one and write four knit, like little niche subtopics under that main one. So if you were like, okay, design. So then the four would be like, Hey, uh, good ad creatives. That would be one little one. Then the second one would be like, Oh, the best landing pages. And then the third one would be like, you know, the best sales pages and what have you. The fourth one be like best e-covers for info products, right? And you write four little like niche topics underneath those 12. And now you've got um, a year's worth of topics for a once a week show. And then you take that once a week show, you publish it, and then you can what we call sawdust it, where you take like all the little spin-off things off of it. And those can become Instagram captions and those can become, you know, Facebook posts and what have you. And there's no reason why you can't have a year's worth of shows in like an hour. And I batch all my content and I just run through and I like record them all. I do it like Peng Jun style. Is he in the room? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, oh my God, his funnel hacking presentation was amazing. Um, so anyway, that's, that's how you come up with the topics for shows. Give a round of applause. And the other thing I would say on top of that is like, it doesn't have to be you every single time, remember? And it can be like, okay, I'm going to have four things and then interview someone, right? And some of you guys are like, I'm going to do it weekly. Some of you guys are going to be daily. Some of you guys are going to be like, I think the more you publish, the better it's going to be. 
Um, but some of you guys like to be three days a week, five days a week, seven days a week, one day a week. Like, figure out, figure out whatever your schedule is going to be and then be consistent with it and be con- consistent. And like the biggest thing I would say, let's just say like this week, my topic is going to be blah. Let's say it's going to be YouTube ads, right? So it's going to be like, okay, I'm going to talk about one strategy one day. I'm going to tell a story the next day, another story the next day, another story the next day. And I'm going to bring on an expert the next day. And, and like, you see how that works? Like, it gives me five or six times to test different stories, different material. I'm testing this story one day, this story, this story, this story. I test five or six stories. I'm like, cool. This week I did five or six stories all based on that topic. That's the one that nailed it. That's the one that people are like freaking out about. That's when I felt the best when I was doing that. I'm like, I know that story. Now I'm going to remember that. Like, every time I got YouTube ads, that's the story I'm going to tell. Okay? Prior to me telling my potato gun story, I had five or six different stories I told. Right? My first product actually wasn't potato gun. My very first product was called Zip Brander. I told that story too, and guess what? Didn't land nearly as much as potato gun. For some reason, people were like, potato guns, are you serious? Like, that was the story that, like, connected people more. So I'm like, cool, that's the story I'm going to tell. They're both true stories. I have multiple stories, but that was the one as I was telling it. And that's what I keep telling over and over again because I knew that of all the different hooks I, I tried to convince people of certain things, that's the one that landed the best, right? And it goes over and over and over again. Does that make sense? You've been listening to one of our gold members-only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a Diamond member and get access to the Diamond members-only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to Diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.